When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Gillette's boosterous races ever now start from just $19.99 at Chemist Warehouse. This is Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SENZ. SCNZ, three minutes past 6 a.m. on your Monday morning, 21st March 2022. Welcome in. I hope your weekend was fine. Actually, I hope it was better than the fine. I hope it was better than the Auckland weather as well. What a deluge we've got for autumn. Don't worry, we've got a deluge of content for you this morning. We're talking Six Nations. We're talking cricket, white ferns, NRL, racing, the lot. And we want you... On 0800 150 the Kenna phone line, or the Temper Bed Post text machine, double eight double three to be a big part of our show today. It was a tough weekend. It was a tough weekend for some of our sporting teams, but that doesn't mean we can't have an absolute ball today, reflecting and reacting to those results. Tony Kemp alongside me, Izzy Dag will be back tomorrow. Baz will catch up with him at some stage this week as well. The racing was good. The rugby league was fast. AFL was back. And to debrief it all, well, we're going to talk Six Nations with Scott Hamilton out of the UK. He's been up there. He understands Northern Rugby very, very innately. We'll catch up with him to talk NRL. Well, we don't need anyone other than our man, Tony Kemp. And after eight, we're going to debrief a campaign which will be what could have been for a lot of people, fans, players, New Zealand cricket alike. The White Ferns disappointment with Debbie Hockley, legend of the sport, has been there alongside the whole time. We'll catch up with Debbie. And then a New Zest Health catch-up later on in the show as well with an up-and-coming surf lifesaver, Claudia Kelly. So there's so much variety, including where I'm going to start right now. Kempi, morning. Morning. Morning, Kempi. Morning, mate. Now, what colour car goes fast? Ooh, for me, always danger, danger, mate, if you're using traffic lights, it's a red one. Ferrari is back, Ferrari mate. Ferrari is back. First Grand Prix of the year. We are, of course, uh, all massive Formula One fans ever since it was indoctrinated. Well, I can <laughs> feel, mate, I, mate I, I always used to like watching um, the likes of Schumacher. Um, what's the guy, the English guy at the time that raced against him? I was up in England, um, can't, can't remember his name, but I used to wa- like watching Schumacher in that era. 
and didn't really. I thought I, you know, was a fan, but not really a fan. I actually got offered to go to the in 2002, go to the Grand Prix in Melbourne um, as part, you know, as part of the NRL. And um, I, d- I didn't go. And I, and these days, I wish I go. I can feel myself actually becoming a fan again um, with the amount of time that we talk about F1. So, mate, to see Ferrari there again this morning, like everyone knows Ferrari, you know. Everyone knows Red Bull these days. Um, so, yeah, to see them take get get up back up on that podium, um, mate, they're back. They are back, and I tell you what it's not going to be. It's not going to be a uh, Mercedes Red Bull fest this year. Max Verstappen retired near the end of the Grand Prix. It was Charles Leclerc that had a brilliant front-running win, and it was Ferrari's first victory since 2019. Um, Carlos Sainz into second as well. Lewis Hamilton back door. Lewis Hamilton and George Russell did well for third and fourth. Magnussen, Bottas, Ocon, Sonoda, Alonso, Zhu in that top ten order. So I guarantee you, picking the top ten of a Formula One, picking who gets the points in which order in a Formula One, that's harder than a 20-leg multi over the weekend sports. I bet you nobody saw that exact result. So we will talk about that throughout the morning. Eddie Irvine, that's come through on the text machine. Gee, you guys are sharp early on on Monday, 7 past 6. Can be a big weekend. On um, Thursday we left you. You were heading down south for a tangi though, and, and it was some pretty sad times. We actually gave yourself and Paulie a, a moment uh, on Friday and the Friday tipple, just saying, you know, uh, we're thinking of you down there and, and everybody involved in that farewell how was it yeah look if there's a silver lining on a on a tongue it's always about catching up with people and you know we, we did talk a little bit um about stop meeting each other at funerals um mm. so you know i don't like to think of them as as a place where you go to mourn i try to think of them as a place place to go and celebrate someone's life you know so um, the, the good parts for me, I got to spend the whole weekend with my son, which I haven't been able to do since Christmas. Um, and yeah, just just catch up with Fano and friends down there, and and you know it's, it's pretty levelling. So yeah, apart from, and and of course had plenty of time to watch the sport, the racing on Saturday. Louis, you were on fire, mate. The goat was out there just putting it, putting out the tips, and I was making the most of them. And um, the league to boot, you know, didn't really go our way in one game. But the, the league, I just think the league this year is really, really good. There's so there's, The games have been really awesome this time around. I don't know. I'm not sure what it is in particular. Um, maybe we'll talk about this and we'll get your opinion on double eight double three and 0800 150 11. I don't know what it is in particular, but you're right. It's, it's – um, I haven't, you know, sometimes with the NRL in a new season, you kind of get that feeling out stage, and you can get a, you can get a couple of duds in a row, and it can kind of be like, ooh, ooh, but nah, not this year. It's been hot. It's been hot, and it's been fast. And Newcastle, <laughs> whoever was throwing around propping up the ladder chat for Newcastle, go go check yourself, mate. There's nothing wrong with Newcastle. Mate, and they got and they got some decent players still to come back. Um, so they looked really, really good last night. And they, mate, I was just um, like I sent that text to you last night. I think Madge is, Madge is talking to Brownie about where they're spending their holidays in Hawaii. Um, oh. you know, it's sort of <laughs> you know you try, you try and give your you try and give your best at the beginning of the year to and you're always with the you know it's our year hashtag it's our year. Um, Warriors, try and give them your, your best. You know, there's always that feeling like I've got to support my team, I've got to support my team. Um, but you look at the competition and you're thinking, 
you know, it's a really tight comp. If you look at the game start right from Thursday night, you know, it's 40 0 <clears throat> to Melbourne. Sales come back in the last 15 minutes, make it, you know, Latrell Mitchell kicks that goal. Um, that 40-metre two-pointer to take it into extra time and Melbourne get it on the on the back of brilliance from Pepperhausen. But that's the that's the game at the moment. It can be anybody. Absolutely. It can be anybody. And you just tend to think, if we're in the fight, the Warriors are in the fight, we just tend not to be the ones getting the knockout punch. You know, so it's a, it was pretty disappointing again that they, you know, I picked them to win the first three. I'm going real good. It looks like they'll probably go three and nil. You know, three zip without getting a win. Oh, and three. Um I tell you what, there was a shot yesterday of a man in the uh, stands at Eden Park wearing a Warriors shirt. And he was there to watch the White Ferns. And he just, he had this absent, vacant (laughs) glaze about him. It wasn't Izzy, was it? No, (laughs) it wasn't Izzy. But he had this, like, you know when you look at someone and they kind of, you know that they're looking off into the distance and thinking about all of their four-leg multis that came up one short. And they're running the math on how much they reinvested because they kept thinking that their team was going to win. The next team. And he was wearing a Warriors shirt, so he looked sad in general. And then the White Ferns just got done after England had one of the most unbelievable collapses and nearly combusted to somehow keep the White Ferns alive in this tournament. But then the White Ferns had been done as well. And he just kind of looked like he'd been downtrodden like three or four times. And I didn't really suspect that we'd be making Warriors two rounds in comparisons to the White Ferns with one pool game to still go in the World Cup. But mm. the, the, the feeling I got from watching the Warriors on Saturday evening and watching the White Ferns yesterday was actually disturbingly similar. And I think that's a massive issue for both and both separately. And we'll talk about that throughout the morning because I've written notes, Kimpy. I sat down last night and watched those games again. And the things that I felt which were issues for both sides, I'll give you one as a teaser, basics Mm. derailed two, well, one campaign and two weeks in not promising signs for the Warriors. And basics is just the most basic of the list I've got. And we can go into that. And we're going to want you, because look, we don't want to make it a, a doom and gloom Monday, but we wouldn't be doing our jobs if we turned up here and pretended like everyone played very well over the weekend. You know, Ferrari and France are doing cartwheels. Meanwhile, the rest of us are kind of going, geez, some tough performances. Yeah, look, and, and it was, and it, and it is hurting, especially our our Warriors fans, you know, too, and going on, on to the season and they're 0-2 and two, uh, to start the season. So, you know, you don't want to be going 0-3, and 0-4, and you know, like eight points behind the comp. And then you're chasing four games before you're back on level terms because the top teams just keep pulling away. And we know how, how you don't finish in the top four. You're not really a chance of winning the Who NRL. Who have played, Kempe? The Dragons and, well, you and thought- Titans. If, if the Warriors are going to make the eight, the games they have to win are the games against... Those exact sides. I, I know, but the, the thing too is they come up against the top. Like the, imagine Brownie, they meet this week, you know what I mean? And there couldn't be two two more desperate sides oh. to get two points on the table. So you're looking at the, the weight of the expectation for, for this week um, particular and how, they, how they're going to get the win. You know, like how, yeah, like how? how the West Tigers are going to get the win and how the Warriors are going <laughs> to lose the game. You know what I mean? It's just like that's what it looks like. So I was watching the game and I, I think I texted you. I said, oh, I think the Warriors might get this. So I was just I was putting hope on top of my, my, um, my text, you know, to say, come on, fellas, you know, you, you, you can do this. Yeah. You can win it. Yeah. Um, but 
mate, they find ways to lose games. You know, the line open and the winger drops the ball. You know what I mean? It's just like we've got that's s- the basics that you're talking about. You have to be able to catch football. We've got serious issues when Shannon, my absolutely lovely partner, is on the couch with me. Just like, why are we doing this to ourselves? Yeah, you know, it's every year. Another year of just like we want it so bad and we can't have it anyway. We'll get into that later on. <laughs> Kempi, um I'll tell you what I did yesterday. I actually did a bit of exercise over the weekend. I'm running still, so I had a, a big run on Saturday morning. And yesterday, my mate Pistol coerced me into going for a swim. Nice. Down at the Parnell Baths, big pool, 60-odd <laughs> metre pool. And every time I swim, I have the same thought. How hard is swimming? Is that right? Oh, it's so hard. It is so hard. Anyone that swims for fitness. So I'm kind of just like a bit flat after a couple of results. I mean, I'll I'll tell you why I'm not flat because of the punt, but my arms and my legs, I feel (laughs) that. You're loving it, eh? My arms, I feel like I'm sandbagging myself here. (laughs) My arms and legs have been weighted down. When was the last time you actually did freestyle? Um, look, I, I don't mind swimming. We, you know, we sort of swam for a living down home. We, our river, we've got plenty of assets in, in Taranaki. You know, we've got the river, we've got the Moana, and, and yeah. we also have a small swimming pool there. Um, I was telling my, my son about the stories. He, we, we never had much money when we were kids, and they had a little cubby hole. And one kid, it used to cost 15 cents to get into the bars to swim, but like 10 of us would go, and the pools would be packed with kids. So whoever was up the top in the in the um, cubby cubby house would be looking down at the swimming pool, making sure no, no the kids were drowning. You didn't have lifesavers back in those yeah, days. Yeah, right. But you give the one kid the 15 cents, and he would talk to the boss in the, in the, in the clubhouse, and it was at the right height where you slipped underneath him, and you would... <laughs> So he would, you know, if it might be your turn, you go, oh, hi, it was Auntie Chicken. You go, hi, Auntie Chicken. And you go, oh, how are you going, da-da-da. And the kids are filing through underneath you. <laughs> and, and they go, how are you going? Oh, it's nice to see you, da-da-da. And, and the other kids in the swimming pool, be, they'll be having their hand up and they're going, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then they'll see Auntie Chicken talking to me or whoever. And then they'll just go, 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 go. And you just sprint down and dive into the water with all the other kids. Like, mate, hard case. And then you get the, you know, the mic could come on. Tony Kemp, come to the come to the clubhouse, please. You're banned for six weeks. <laughs> I was telling my son all about. He's crying. I said, yeah. And in the end, we end up getting banned for life. You know, and I'm like, who bans a kid for life from a swimming pool? You know, oh, so it's not great. Mate, I, I got no problem with swimming. I, you know, we swam for we swam for living. We so if we surfed, we had to go across the river all the yeah, time and yeah. paddle out. So um, plenty of paddling practice, plenty of swimming. So, so you know, I grew up at the beach as well, and I tell you what, I haven't done a lot of freestyle. In my last mm. the last decade of my life, like out and out trying to you know like you know channel Michael Phelps, Daniel Loder, you know trying to really really let one down, try really put a time on the board. I don't think I'll be doing it anytime soon. Next time I go out there, I'm gonna be <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be Arthur Lydia, video, slow mate. and steady, mate. I'm, I'm up the Y-Tax just in cruise mode because I am in pain this morning. And, and anyone that swims for fitness and you know these people that do their triathlons and weekend warriors, I just want to say hats off. And funnily enough, we're actually talking surf life saving later in the show for our newsiest Monday morning health check, and I do feel good for it. Claudia Kelly, she's a very impressive young athlete out there um, on our beaches and. I got huge admiration for people that swim for fitness. It was um, a real, like I knew it was going to be, but it was a real eye opener and, and quite painful because it's salt water too. So stings the eyes a bit. But um, yeah, yeah, goggles. That's what they normally wear when they go into the water. Yeah, you, you keep you keep opening up your eyes with 
none of those on, mate. No, it probably does sting with a bit of salt in the ears. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, I tell you what, I tell you what stings. It would sting if you, I don't know, like for example, if you sat through Baz and Z for breakfast last week or the mail run on Saturday morning, and you just you let it all wash over you. Like, it's like, How- like let's <laughs> let's get serious about this though, like. Hold on, can There's we do it? Some... Let's do it? Let's do it after this. Uh, let's go. Let's come back and let's come back and let's really get stuck into the nitty gritty about you know we've kind of tiptoed around it. it the, the weekend was, from a results point of view, for some teams pretty bleak. It was the French rugby team, Ferrari, and Kimpy and Louis Wallet that are doing cartwheels, and we'll tell you why after this. We're here with Chemist Warehouse. It's great savings every day. Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Kimpy and Louis in the chairs this morning. Stay with us and get in touch on double eight double three oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Have results in just fifteen minutes with Helgen COVID rapid antigen tests from Chemist Warehouse. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. Hey, SENZ, um, 0800-150-811. That's the Kennard's Higher phone line. I'd love to hear from you. How was your weekend? What did you have go on? Did you have any glamorous wins with the TAB? Uh, I'd love to hear from you because, Kempi, I declared one last week. I felt good about it. I felt really good about it. It made sense. I told everyone on Wednesday night that can I get an amen was just one of the bits of the year. And sometimes you don't need to overthink it. If it makes sense and we can get paranoid as punters, and I was saying, does this make too much sense? But the answer was no. You run behind Rockin' Horse, who won a new market handicap up Flemington Strait. On Trivier, it was a Group 1 winner herself. And Mascarpone, who just stepped up to the mile and put them away at Otaki. Can I get an amen taking weight off at 53kgs from a good barrier with a very competent rider on Kate Hercock. Don't overthink it. Get on. I don't usually I don't usually declare them before the fact unless I feel really confident. And I felt confident. And sometimes it's just so rewarding to get paid, mate. Yeah, look, there'd be a lot of blokes too, mate, that would be hurting that uh, didn't follow you. Like like our man, the rat, he um, he had it slapped all over his face last week with a like a wet fish. He stayed off it. Um, Kez, I think, had a little bit of a punt. Izzy obviously stayed off it because it won. Um, but yeah, like you did right. The form, like the form was, it was screaming at you that if it get, and I liked it, the the lack of weight and the and the barrier draw. I just thought, well, mate, if it's if it's a you, chance, and then taking, it's got, everything's on your side. You take look. Here was and some Louis. Can I get a name in brother on double eight double three? What's your name? I'd love to hear from you, Chur brothers. Louis, my man, had a fill up on. Can I get a name in? I've already invested my winnings into my money-sucking triathlon career. Look up form goggles, cuz he flash ass. <laughs> Cheers, Brett. <laughs> I love that. I love that from you, Brett. Um, keep texting, double eight, double three. Did you get on? Here's the thing. She's dropping weight from when she ran behind on Trivier and Rockin' Horse, and she did it without cover that day. I actually think she could have won better, and, and the like, I think the stable's got bigger plans for her. She had a freshen up. This was her first run since. Can I get an amen next start? She's not. You're not going to get those odds. The bookies will be all, all over it as they should be. But it just feels so rewarding when you declare one. And I, look, Kez is probably the one that needs to front here because, like Kez, you you were here all last week and and turn your mic on, mate. Like you you. I just don't. I want to know. I, I just want to know why, Kieran. Why 
don't didn't you back me in? Like, I do you have trust issues? Right, mate. Uh, two things. I sort of thought that you know this weekend I'm going to go a little bit independent. Uh, I've followed Louis in for probably about seven months now. Every weekend, uh, I haven't had any multis come in just yet. Uh, not not blaming anything. Louis is a great tipster. I just think uh, I might be a little stopper, like old old Izzy Dag. It was actually uh, very elegant for the win. Was the was a stopper in my first multi, and uh, old Defib was uh, was my second. So yeah, lost out a little bit there. But yeah, all right. I've learnt my lesson, Louis. I've learned but, my lesson. But, but the thing is, like, we gave you, like, two dead set winners. We, like, Cinerama. Oh, Cinerama. We just said, you know, and I kept really quiet about that one because I didn't want Paul oh. Moati to, to chuck into it. No, I, didn't well, want, I actually didn't want Izzy to get on it. Well, so you're allowed to because you're the owner. You're allowed to be nervous about Cinerama. Yeah, but, but then can I get an amen? Like, those were your two bits of the day. <laughs> they, they were. They did set. We could not, couldn't have said anything better than, well, Al's got it ready. So, you know, she's... Second run, second of Melody Bell, and in, the, in a group group three. So you know what I mean. It, it was sort of she had a good chance, and then can I get an amen? I was sitting there talking to my brother-in-law Muzz about it and telling him like, "Mate, this thing wins," and he just Muzz. I, <laughs> hey Muzz, he, just listen. In the end, it won. He's sort of like, "Can't believe it." I can't believe that one got up. Well, it's like you can't believe it, but all I've been doing is telling you. And and actually, you know, there's a common denominator. Because I love Slipper Island as well. Mick and me, you know, on the, on the mail run on Saturday mornings, it's really dangerous when Mick and when I, because I'm pretty cowboyish with my tipping. Like I can, I'm, I can do it off feel. Mick's far more analytical, but mm. we both agreed on Cinerama and Slipper Island, and he told me that I, he couldn't see any reason I was wrong on Cannon Amen. So the stars aligned, and Slipper Island had run behind Lickety Split. So when you just like it's a it's a really really basic and obvious way to do form. Who did your horse race against last start? Because yeah. what you know what you hear is, and Baz always uses this. David Ellis uses it. You want to be in the best company yourself. Keep your horse in the worst. So if and that can't always happen. Trainers can't always duck good fields. So if a horse comes out of a really good race and it doesn't win like Cannon Amy or it doesn't run a place, don't throw Cannon Amy out. Can I get an Amy out with the bathwater and say, that's ah, not a winner. Look at who it raced against. Mm. Just because Slipper Island gave it away on, on its first start, look at who it raced against. What did that horse do? Came out and win a group one next start. It's a real basic, really, and, and, and I've been guilty of ignoring this myself, but it's a really basic form tactic, and I think, uh, I think sometimes we can kind of get too cute. Slipper Island into leaderboard, into Imperatriz, into Can I Get an Amen, into Animo, into Zaki. Absolute ripper of a weekend. Cheers, Dom. Oh, Dom Perignon. I'll dominate. I'll dominate. <laughs> Dom Perignon. Double eight, double three. Somebody's had a fill up. Awesome. Great weekend, and it just you just can't help but have a pep in your step on a Monday morning when you get it right. So, hey, congratulations to you, man. An- another listed win for Cinerama. She's a very, very valuable man now. Yeah, Sheet's looking really good for, for breeding. So um, Alan phoned me straight after the race and said, you know, real happy with the way that she won. Um, she wants 2,000 metres, though. She, she, mole, mate, he knows. Like the other, the other thing, too, is like you, when you're talking to the trainer and he says, well, I can't do any more than I've done with her, you know she's going to – run a good race, you know, she just had to get out of the gates. And, of course, when you've got Lisa Allpress on her, you know Lisa's going to put her in the race. So 
Um, great ride by Lisa. Thought thought she could have tapped her up a little bit earlier. Um, she should have won by a little bit more, but she won, mate, and that's the main thing. Well, she did. You know, her back's right. She jumps out of the barriers now, and I think Ellen's going to find her a nice race up over 2,000 metres before she's retired. I would suspect you'd know more than me, obviously, but we'll just wait and see. i tell you what, great weekend for Al. Um, just fix it, would you? Ran a third, I think. Or a second, maybe. It was a third. A yep. third in the last, and it was a great each-way chance for Dean McKenzie, who's just finished up with uh, TAB, of course. And, look, we said it. If he got Seamus over the line in that race where Jamie had, I wish I win, um, Mohawk Brave, uh, Imperatrez yeah. on Jamie, the bubbles. Jamie gets the first three. Z- Zaitaku, I think, ran sixth as well. You know, if he got Seamus up there, he would, and I know Alan's a master trainer, but we would have been looking at this guy going, yeah, you, you're on to something. Actually, we spoke to, um, I'll tell you after this, I'll tell you after this, we had Alan on Saturday morning and you will crack up at this. There's a good text here from Mark and Jordan says, Damon Hill is who you are thinking about, That's Kempe. right, Damon Hill. Bang on, Jordan, it is too. It's 29, 28 and a half away from 7 o'clock. LoveRacing.nz. We're going to talk some more thoroughbred racing action up after this. Quizzy dag before the end of the hour as well. If you missed out on the punt this weekend, that's okay. There's always more to come. No last race, as our man man Michael Guerin likes to say. Back in a second, here's the news with Kubota. Together we are shaping and building Aotearoa. Zinzi for breakfast. We are 27 away from 7am this morning. So much action to debrief over the weekend. We can't do it all, but we will endeavour here this morning until 9am. Morning, boys. I took a multi. Can I get an amen into Kempe's horse, Cinerama? Got a nice slice back, then proceeded to give most of it back yesterday, but a good weekend on the front. Mark, that's how it goes sometimes, brother. It's called the churn, but I hope you just always take some of your winnings out and put it in the back pocket. Go donate it to Pet Refuge, whatever it is you want to do with it. Um, we are talking racing, Kempi, Cinerama 1, and I was just saying, we had Big Al Sharrick on the show on Saturday morning, and, and he's taking a plunge into syndication, which... Uh, yeah, mate, I, I read that too. I, you know, I, I, I took my hat off to him because he's kept it under, the, he's kept it under, the, under his hat. Um, I had no idea that he was actually when he was when he started talking laptops. Okay, you got to this is a, you got to know with Al when you when he started talking laptops and feedback. You know, you're gonna have to talk to people and and give them like obviously what Jamie Richard does oh. and you know Hey Cinerama hey, came so, out this morning and, and you know ran a good time and really happy with the way mate, it's preparing. Blah blah blah. I just started laughing. He's so funny. He's such a ripper. He goes, well, you know. People want these want video updates these days. They want to know what's happening with the horses. <laughs> We're just sitting here, just like, yeah, yeah. yeah yes, they, Alan. they do, Alan. They do. And um, and then, so what's your domain name? Oh, uh, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, what's the website called? <laughs> <laughs> Sharakracing.co.nz or whatever it was and it's just funny and, and it's so cool that he's because you know what people like myself and people I know we want to race horse we want to race a horse with Alan Sharrick I want to race a horse with Alan Sharrick he's we'll a master get, we'll get one we'll get one he's a master but the thing is you know he's been a, a boutique kind of operation where he's had his, his loyal owners for a long time he's done it his way um, and, and it's great that he's 
you know, broadening his shoulders. Now, Jamie Richards, the funny thing is there's a lot of, there was kind of a bit of symmetry there because Jamie's about to go out on his own as well and will be opening his own website. Um, we had a laugh, or you probably won't forget your domain name your first time you're, you're on the wireless, were you, Jamie? He had a giggle, and, and then he went on to dominate that living classic. And, and also, of course, it was Oaks Day, and, you know, self-obsession, hot pot, ran a really big second, came across him from a wide gate and just showed how strong and a fighter she is. The perfect pink ran top four. Aspen, Colorado, this this is a real nice star, and I heard Graham Richardson saying that it could be a cup smear next year, but it was Ballon Rouge for Tiako, and actually a bit of an interesting one because Ballon Rouge was the uh, one of the least favoured Tiako runners. He got $26.70, which you'd almost never do with the horses in Tangerine, and a homebred by Dave and Karen out there at Tiako Stud, Burgundy's first Group 1 winner, so a lot of Kiwi connections there and uh, a real kind of feel-good story um, in the Oaks, and it was just a, a massive weekend. Achieve ran fifth, and a lot of people were deep on her top four. It was a great weekend. It was a really good day, and I'm glad people had to fill up. And, and now with Cinerama, mate, we know she's off to the breeding barn. You guys have some decisions to make because she's uh, she is valuable. Yeah, oh, I tried. I tried to get one in last week on on um, Little Avondale to see if we still had that stud fee from last year available. Um, but yeah, look, Alan will Alan will make the decision. He'll let us know which uh, which stud. There's a couple that we we're already talking about. But yeah, she's um, she is a valuable broodmare now, Louis. I can't wait um, for what we what we get to see what we get, whether we keep it, whether we sell it. You know, um, we'd, there's nothing like winning Group Ones, mate. So she might throw out, you know, a, a, a nice decent horse that we keep again. And mate, the be- the beauty of this is, and this is why you buy race fillies and mares. You know, fingers crossed and touching wood, Cinerama stays sound as a broodmare for a long time. You know, she might give you three or four more fillies, mm. which yeah. in turn you can. You know, this is the start. This is the start of the the Kemp Sharrick, Bruce Sharrick dynasty, and and you, you, <laughs> I don't, you I don't know about and, that. And you and you were laughing about does does Alan get a discount code with his brothers? Does he use the bull discount discount ten bull ten? Mate, what about you? Yeah, well, <laughs> what about you when well, you go to these service fees? Alan's Alan's. Mate, there's not another bloke that I know like Alan Sherrick. I've got to tell you, be absolutely honest. Alan Sherrick, the guy that I knew when I was 14, you know, coming into that, that adolescent age, is the same bloke that I that I know when I'm 50. He's, he ain't changed. So, you know, if you were to say to him, hey, look, you know, let's throw one into Cinerama or let's throw one into Often for the boys type thing. And, and if it made sense to Alan, Alan would go, yeah, why not? You know what I mean? He's, he's that type of guy that just wants to... He loves racing. That whole syndication part of it is a massive step for Alan. Don't get me wrong. He doesn't run a boat. He does not run a boutique um, racing um, business. He runs a big business. He do, and he's done it for years. People people don't realise he's mm. got his own stables. He runs his own stables and he runs it out of New Plymouth. He gets up every day at quarter past four and he works his ass off every single day, mate, to please owners. Um, so, you know, for people to be syndicated with Alan Show, not only are you going to get a good trainer, you can get a good bloke you can hang with, mate. Uh, I think he's, a, he's a good dude. I think it's going to fly. Um, we saw Tony Pike is taking a step into this more formally as well. A couple of blokes there. Andrew Forsman's taking the next step without Murray this next season coming. 
There's three guys. It's a natural progression format, isn't it? Isn't it? Oh, it's awesome. It's it's awesome. It's really cool to see. Louis, your legend, can, got, can I get an amen thanks to you? Account is healthy. Bring on self assured in the slot. Jonty from P Naughty. Yes, Jonty from P Naughty is with us on the self assured dream. And just quietly, how good was he on Friday night? Took a sit and brained them down the outside. Hey there, lads. Personally needed self-obsession to get up. I thought Nabba possibly rode it too aggressively and used too much early and accelerated too early at the end. Thoughts, Richard? Richard, I like how you phrased that because you're not having a crack, you're asking a question, and we won't know what Nabba felt. I tell you what, speaking to him on Friday morning, he thought she was um, really, really special. So he, there's a chance he might have overestimated exactly how much she had, but how, did, how well did she fight up straight? Think about that. Look at the positives. If you were right, how well did she fight? And and the thing is, with Michael McNabb at the moment, you give him the benefit of the doubt. If he wants to push a button, he's allowed to because he's dominating the premiership. He's riding better than he ever has. So appreciate the way you've asked that question. Without being negative, you posed a question. And what we're going to do now is exactly that. Pose questions because it's quizzy dag. 0800 150 You missed out on a fill-up? Give us a call now. Let's play it. Quizzy Dag with the Kemp Master. Up after this. It's Quizzy Dag. A quiz for the ages to prove yourself. The quiz master, the is master, stay with me. Or oh, this might be an absolute disaster. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, hey, if you think you got what it takes, give us a call on 0800 150 811. Makes me laugh, mate, every time I hear Bears laughing in the undertones here. And is he a little bit of home. Getting out. Has he put the effort into that too, mate? Well done, Izzy. I miss you, brother. I hope you, um, you're catching up on that much-needed sleep. Still recovering from your trip to Sydney a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Us old blokes only take a day, mate, but you take two weeks. That's fine. We're going to get in a quizzy dag. Who we got on the line this morning? I hope you're all ready, boys. We're going to Simon first. Is that right, Mr. Joe? Simon, morning, brother. Morning, boys. Morning. Okay, let's get straight into it, mate. Who did Wellington Power beat to record their first win in Super Rugby Opiki? Wellington I'm going to have to phone a friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because, you know, traditionally we might not actually have any friends in the studio today. So, um, but Simon, since you're in day one, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a hand. Um. Mm. What's a matter to get in your face? What are they called? Matatu? Yeah, that'll do. I'll give you a little bit of a hand, Louis, when you're, when you're struggling to think about it. Hey, mate, question number two. France beat England to win the Six Nation Championship this weekend. I think it was a Grand Slam. How many years had it been since they'd won the competition? Oh, oh! I think this question that she there's, there might be a little bit of a hiccup here in the way this is written. Let me rephrase. Let's rephrase that. How many years since France last completed a Grand Slam? Oh, twelve. Uh, yeah, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I don't, I don't see how you, 
That was sort of like that very good answer though. <laughs> don't know how he got to the, that's, that's I don't know how he got from five to twelve, but that, well done. No, well no, because because it it's two different things there. But yeah, no, no, well done, well well done, Simon. Um, okay, you should get this one if you were watching the game last night. Who hit the winning runs for England in the World Cup win over our White Ferns yesterday? The number 11, is it Shrubsoul? Good man, you're on fire. Only a soul. All right. Now, this man Mountain, where did Tom Walsh, our big shot putter, put a finish in the World Indoor Championship final? Just completed. Um, Was it third? Oh, okay, okay, okay. No, you don't want to. You don't want to be going so good and then miss the last one. Hey, one to come, and we're on a hard timer here. I'm on a hard count. Okay, okay, all right. Great, Five great year, this one too. It's a great year. What year did New Zealand win golf's Eisenhower Trophy? Five, four, three, two, one. Eighty. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not 80 anything. Sorry, Simon. Sorry, Simon. You're going to Brett from Huntley. Hey, Brett, how you going, mate? Oh, yeah, good weekend, brother. Good Thank weekend. You, man, all right? you didn't pass T-Bone at the cafe this morning with 14 eggs and eight pieces uh, of bacon? <laughs> no, no, I'm up before him. <laughs> hey, Brett. Up and about before him. Yep. Brett, in, in fairness to Simon, we're on another hard count here, brother. We're on a hard count, okay? All right, here we go, Brett. All the best, brother. The Tanifaro, Brett. What year did New Zealand win golf's Eisenhower Trophy? Five. 92. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You had 40 hours, too, to get it. <laughs> Because that's Michael Campbell, that's uh, Phil Tatarangi. Who else was in that team? You're right, Phil T was in that team. Look, the answer I've got is not that, though. And I'm trusting my man. I'm trusting the kitchen. Unlucky Brett. Going to Mike. Hey, Mike, how are you, brother? Oh, Zade. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Zade. Joe's a bit dyslexic. Hey mate, how you going? What year did New Zealand win golf's Eisenhower Trophy? I think it was in 1992. Oh, you're in trouble here, Louis. You're in big trouble here. Oh, I'm not in trouble. Ninety. What? Boys, we're going to need just like a Can classic. Can we dial a friend? Just like a classic <laughs> game of golf. <laughs> we're going to need our rules. We're going to need a rule, ruling here. Because wasn't it the amateur trophy? Zade. On Google it. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Google, oh, yeah, Google it again. Zade, this is going to be like one of the worst game shows ever, mate. I'm going to get you to hold the yeah. line because out of fairness okay. to Brett, he might have got the answer first. We're going to go and check the stats and we're going to come back with the winner after this on the most dysfunctional version ah. of Quizzy Dagger. Stay there, Zade. Brett, don't jump out of the truck, mate. Back in a second with the official ruling on when New Zealand won the Eisenhower Trophy. <laughs> Taking sports radio to new heights on SCNZ, just like Wanaka's Zoe Sadowski Senate in the big ear. Send it and tune in on 106.8 FM. Test at home and have results in just 15 minutes with Helgen COVID rapid antigen tests from Chemist Warehouse. You're listening to Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SCNZ. There's got to be an investigation into this. And there has been. 
and there has been. The tapes have been checked. The encyclopedias have been read. And uh, via the Encyclopedia of New Zealand, Tiara, and I just had a burning feeling, and weren't they a handsome group of guys? The Eisenhower Trophy team of 1992 were victorious, which means, Zaid, thank you for staying through the break, mate. Um, look, yeah. you weren't wrong, but we have to do what's right, and Brett got it right first. But what we're going to do is compensation for you. You get to choose any number of the lineup you want to go on tomorrow's quiz, and we'll put you there. So tomorrow, you call through at the same time, and you tell Kiers exactly where you want to be in the quiz, and you can have that spot, all right? Okay, so, so who wins today? Simon? Uh, Brett. So thank you, Zayden. Brett, um, Brett on 0800 150 811. Brett, brother, we're, we're apologetic, mate. It's Monday morning. The lads have had a big weekend and we're just... Um, we're... Oh, look, I've, I'm just, I just want to comment on that. It's sort of, this is my third weekend here and, and every Monday morning someone has tried to throw me under the bus. You know, it's just not on, fellas. Hey, hey, that's all right. Brett, congratulations, mate. 1992, you get your $50 bonus bet, and um, I hope you I hope you forgive us. Oh, always fun. Ah, sure, Brett. Uh, I don't even know, I don't even know why we were arguing with the with the Huntley champ playing the, you know, we know, we know, I know you're on that Huntley golf course every day. I shouldn't have been arguing with you. You're pretty flat there, Kempi, uh, to join us for a round one day. Yeah, brother. Just, yep, you tee it up and I'll be down there. Beautiful. Brett, Brett, you take out the prize and look, it would be wrong, wouldn't it, if we didn't give you a little... um... Good man. (laughs) There we go, Brett. Thanks, Quizzy Bang, for another day. Mistakes do happen, but what is important to do, Kimpy? Own it. That's exactly right. Like, you know, if you make the mistake, you know, don't sort of get onto the ropes and try and punch your way out of it. Like, own it and walk out of the corner. What do you think you do if you vomit from heat, heat exhaustion in round two when you've been pre-season training on that same own venue it. the whole summer? Own it. Own it, you know. How do you own that? Just get back out and if get you met, If you're Matt Lodge, how do you kind of – do you have to do more fitness work? <sighs> Mate, oh, look, there's just so much mounting. It's like mounting on top of each other, you know what I mean? Like Death by a million s- cuts. There is. Oh, hey, real funny you said that. I said, I said exactly the same thing to my son on the way home yesterday. You know what I mean? Like the 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 glaring issue is they're just not ready. How? How can you not be ready after a full preseason? Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. That's the question we're asking about the Warriors. That is the burning question for us, and we want you to answer it after seven thirty today. But after the news, we're gonna catch up with Scott Hamilton. Yeah. Scott Hamilton up in the UK now follows rugby very closely up there. We'll talk Six Nations and France's fantastic victory. Off to find ourselves in McCafe Coffees. Right now, it is Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together, we're shaping and building New Zealand. Gillette's bestest raises ever now start from just $19.99 at Chemist Warehouse. This is Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SENZ. SCNZ, four minutes past seven o'clock on your Monday morning. Morena to you, Aotearoa, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, on your way to work, having a cup of tea. The 21st of March, I hope your weekend was an awesome one. I hope you got to spend some time with your whanau. 
If you had a punt, it was successful. Whatever sport you watched or whatever team you barracked for had a result. For us at SCNZ, it's a big morning. We've got the Warriors to debrief later in the hour with you on 0800 150 811. I want to talk Six Nations in just a minute. And I want you to let me know whether you think France are the prohibited favourites for the World Cup. Double eight, double three on the temper bedpost text machine. Can you see anyone stopping the men in blue? And in the next hour, we're going to talk white ferns and uh, what can only be uh, labelled as a, a genuinely disappointing tournament where we've had a team we wanted to do so well put up a big duck egg, which is just unfortunate. And questions will be asked. One positive is that we're scrutinising them and it's not apathy. We really, truly care about the White Ferns and we're just disappointed. So that's what we'll get through in the morning. Kempi, a, a sentence or two to tease what we're going to have to talk about when we talk to the Warriors in about half an hour? I, I guess we probably need to talk about what sort of um, headspace they're in. You know, and I, I want to talk about the pre-season. You know, when, you, when you drop the ball, a couple of players drop the ball, the line open, what that basically tells me is fatigue when it gets in, it doesn't allow them to, to make those simple, um, you know, good decisions on skill like catch and pass. Execution and under a little and bit of pressure. tackle proper, yeah. And, and it, it, it just, to me, it, it stinks of fatigue. And I don't I don't think we know the real story about the off-season. I think, you know, some of these players that aren't being put on the side, I think the reason why they're not being put on the side is because they're not ready. We'll talk about it and we want you to chime in and we want your opinion. At about half past seven this morning when we get to our choices for in poll. But right now it's time for a McCafe coffee catch-up. Lovely to have a McCafe in hand. Thank you, Joey, this morning. And while rugby struggled for traction down here in New Zealand this weekend, in the north it was a celebration of what was one of the more dominant campaigns by the international by an international team that no one will want to see at next year's World Cup. It was France's first Grand Slam in more than a decade, and they easily dispatched England to wrap up the Six Nations for another year. Scott Hamilton is a former Crusader, and after that he played nearly 150 games for the Leicester Tigers. He's now the director of rugby at Hinkley Rugby Club and very plugged into the Northern Hemisphere game. He understands it innately, and he's on the line now. It's a very good morning or evening to Scott Hamilton all the way up in the UK. Morning, mate. Morning, gentlemen. How you doing? Yeah, we're doing good. Great to catch up, and um, I love following along with your career. I'm from afar, mate. You're, you're a, a fan favourite of mine when I was growing up, and it's good to see that you're still very involved with rugby in the Northern Hemisphere. So you're enjoying your time at Hinkley. Yeah, mate. Yeah, I mean that's it's 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 level four over here, so it's um, you know it's part time. Um, you know, the, the there is a semi well semi pro, or sort of more quarter pro. They get a bit of uh, beer money to play. But um, you know, I've got I've got a normal I've got a normal day job. I've got to revolve everything around. But um, no, it's good. It's, it's been uh, been pretty job. It's been a tough tough campaign post COVID because we lost the whole last sort of well season and a half really from uh, from COVID. So it was quite a hard you know transition getting back into it. Well, one thing you have a great read on Scott is because you played a lot of uh, obviously professional rugby down here, but then it went up and had a, a whole second wind of a career up in the Northern Hemisphere. And the, the styles have been contrasting, and they kind of come and go with the wind throughout the years on how contrasting the styles are. But watching the Six Nations this year, personally, I've just been struck by how electric it's been in, in phases and places. And I guess France is kind of the poster child for that. For you, what's the Six Nations been like from a viewing perspective this year? Yeah, I think it's 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 been it's been a lot a lot better watch. Actually. I mean, I you know I had a few beers watching the, the England game last night, and and it's you know obviously it's still very very attritional. 
Um, you know, and when I first came over here, it was it was certainly that was what it was about. Almost how big you were, and and you know, dominating the game line. That, that's what it was like. But I think you know the the Kiwi and the Aussie coaches that have come over in the last sort of ten years have really had a bit of a had a bit of an effect. Um, and they've you know, I, I think um, well, you can say that's the Northern Hemisphere. I think certainly caught up um, in the last few years. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, certainly seeing what England did to us in the World Cup and. And it's a bit of a shame, you know, when I, you know, I watched the Super Rugby back back down as well, and you know, the fact that South Africa are no longer involved, it's it's a bit concerning um, across the line that, uh, you know, we're not really getting the, the I suppose, you know, the, the inter the inter New Zealand games there's plenty of plenty of um, physicality, but you know, the the I'm just a bit concerned we could potentially fall behind because we don't really going to have the the day in day out. Um, grind that the Northern Hemisphere teams have. Yeah. Hey, Scott, can be mate. Do you, do you think, um, you know, with the World Cup coming up, that France hitting their straps um, and the style of football that they play can honestly threaten the All Blacks and threaten the Australians, threaten the South Africans? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw what, what France did to us, um, you know, uh, not so long ago. Um, oh, you know, I think, you know, they've got really good players in, in, in key positions as well. Um, Dupont at nine, and you know, he you know speaks for himself. I think they they seem to be a lot more clinical as well. You know, the the, the the French teams potentially of the past, you know, could potentially shoot themselves in the foot. But the way they did, you know, like you said, the way they dispatched of England, they, um, you know, England had plenty of opportunities, they had plenty of territory, but you know, it never looked like France were going to lose that game at all. They looked to me like they're in total control. Mate, just I've, I've got a burning question, um, and I've always wondered how the likes of Sean Edwards and and Mike Ford and Andy Farrell um, have had such a I guess transition from the game of rugby league into rugby union. What do you know? Andy Farrell being the Irish coach at the moment, Mike Ford with what he did with you know um, England and of, of obviously Bath and and the likes of that. Um, what do they bring like to rugby union? You know, it, it really strikes me as in, when I was up there in England that. Rugby was definitely southern um, England was full rugby, and league had no place. But these days, it seems like the league league boys are, uh, have got a massive say in what happens in rugby up there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's plenty of transition, but I mean, I suppose money's got a bit to do with it. And well, there's, there's more money in <laughs> rugby, so those coaches, those those coaches are getting paid pretty well to to share their knowledge. But oh, they're obviously you know you've got to be good enough to to get those roles in, and those guys are, you know, they've, they've had good roles there. And, you know, I think the way that defences are organised in rugby league, it's it's become a lot more like that now in rugby. You know, unfortunately, there's um, a lot of games that are, you know, dominated by the defence at times, and which means a lot more kicking. And those guys, you know, the, the defences are so well organised. Um, and, and the guy, you know, there's just more athletes on the field. You know, there's, well, I wouldn't say gone, but gone are the days of, you know, picking off the fatties in the midfield so much, you know, everyone, the, the structure of where people need to be and, and what they do when they're there is, is so much better and it's a lot harder to, to break teams down and, and you know, those, those types of coaches have, you know, have done a good job. Tell you what struck me is the mo- mobility of those um, fatties and daring term that the French boys have. I mean, they, they were just flying and, and it really was electric. You made a really interesting point, Scott. And we're talking to Scott Hamilton. He's immersed in the uh, Northern Hemisphere rugby scene. If you've got a question, double eight, double three for him. I tell you, you made a really interesting point about South Africa leaving Super Rugby and what that could do and how we might drop behind and where Northern Hemisphere might get a split on us in some aspects of the game. What are those aspects of the game where the North North might be pulling away? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, mean, I think, you know, I, I still, you know, a super rugby game is still, you know, it's great watching for us. You know, the skill levels, I still think the skill level in New, New Zealand has a, you know, a higher skill level just being, you know, I, no, I noticed that when I first came over here, like, you know, if we, if we had a kick of football um, at, at training, you know, these, the English boys were bloody brilliant. You know, all of them, all of them knew how to, um, because, you know, they they brought up doing that as, as kids, just like we're brought up playing touch rugby. So, you know, naturally our skills tend to, uh, I feel, you know, we, we're a lot better there. But obviously with the professional game, you know, the, the, the Northern Hemisphere's caught up a little bit in that regard. But I just think they... They the, the the grind of a premiership season and the Heineken Cup. I just think they they have and, and obviously the Six Nations every year. There's a chance um, they get all these opportunities for these massive games to play. And you know our boys are obviously playing Super Rugby, but with all due respect to the Aussies, there's a once once we start playing them, there's you know there can be some lopsided contests. And you know our guys have a, a couple of hard you know local derby matches, and then. Um, Heading off to play Australia again, you know, and the, the dominance we've had over Australia, we, we I just don't think they're having the, the day in day out, um, uh, yeah, the day in day out pressure cooker situations that these Northern Hemisphere guys are are going to be having and will do have, and it's and it could well be. I mean, I suppose it means that our guys might be a bit fresher, but yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, I, I know that. I just think you know dealing with the, the travel with South Africa, you know, nothing like playing South Africa or you know in Johannesburg and those sorts of environments. All due, due respect to Aussie, it's just not the same as you know travelling to Brisbane or whatever. Yeah, like I take your point there, and I think that's a great one around the pressure cooker scenario. I mean, they just aren't getting the exposure essentially to that kind of high level competition week in week out. On France in particular, Scott, um, this is pretty incredible. I think their average age of the team they fielded to win the Grand Slam yesterday was twenty six, and the average Test cap number was twenty. So. <laughs> there is so much. There is there is a huge ceiling that they haven't got near yet, right? I mean, how scary yeah, of a proposition does that make them for the World Cup next year? Well, I mean, I think the French, I think people have been saying it for years, haven't they? If the French can get it right a bit more long term, um, you know, they're, they're going to be going to get there. And I think, you know, I, I didn't realise that, but that's a, obviously, the, and as I said, the, they've got good players in, in in the core positions, which is with any side is really, really important. They've got good stability now. Um, you know, I think in terms of selection, they've got a pretty settled side. And whether it's, you know, if you look at the All Blacks and, and even England for that matter, they're, they're still making plenty of changes. You'd be you'd be a uh, pretty lucky man to be able to pick a starting 15 from, you know, at the moment. There's, there's still plenty of positions up for grabs. And, and we probably, you know, in some areas don't have the depth that we would like either. Um, you know, if we are to get a couple of injuries, it would be a bit one. Whether it's, I think, you know, the French... Yeah, I mean they're they're a very very strong squad, and 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 the competition for places is 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 high as well, I suppose, because of the, the because of that. Um, but yeah, I, I it's it's going to be interesting because they're in our pool, I believe. So um, you know, yeah. it could be the it'll be interesting to see which which is probably a good thing because that means that they'll be on the other side of the draw. So as long as we uh, even if we were to drop it, we, well, we saw what South Africa won the World Cup having lost to us, so um, it does mean we don't have to. You know, play them until the till the final. I, I assume that's how the draw works, anyway. Hey Scott, have they un- the French unearthed a, like a junior that we you know need to keep a I guess our ear to the ground um, leading into next World Cup that we haven't seen yet? Um, I yeah, I, I don't follow it. <laughs> I don't follow that close, mate. But um, I mean, obviously, I've been yeah, I, I watch the games like anyone else. But I, in, in terms of the um, the the local 
French, I mean, the, they are on, um, I don't, it doesn't get as much coverage over here, to be honest, the club rugby. Obviously, once the Heineken Cup kicks off, you know, I might tune in a bit more and see the, the club size. But I, um, no, I, I, I couldn't really tell you too much in that regard. But the, like I say, they're, they're well, arguably the, the world's best player at nine at the moment and, um, and plenty of other big, hellishly big uh, back rowers and second rowers that can smash the hell out of breakdowns and then tackles and cause all sorts of uh, mayhem on the field. You're, look, I tell you what, you're right around Anton de Pont. Pont. He is probably head and shoulders the best play, rugby player in the world. His box kicking, the control he has, the pace he runs a game, is it's kind of out of this world at the moment. And I tell you what, the, the French... What they said, Kempe, and this is kind of talks for that club scene, they said that this was a win for the 1900 clubs of French rugby. So they are looking at this like they're not just building a squad, they're trying to build a platform to be successful as a bound nation for a long time, which is quite a scary thing. Scott, we'll get you out on this. Um, Eddie Jones, like we wondered if he lost the room years ago. <laughs> He's still there. We, yeah. what, what's the public opinion and what's the, the rugby groundswell around Eddie Jones at the moment? Yeah, it's not great. It's not a great. A lot of my mates over here are, um, yeah, um, and, and you know he's saying he's probably got a shorter leash because he's Australian, which you know is potentially there as well. I, I don't, he just doesn't help himself. He comes, um, you know, in the media, he comes across as a well, he just comes across like an Aussie, really, doesn't he? So, um, <laughs> he's, um, Perfect. Quite, sm- <laughs> quite smarmy with Harry. Harry deals with questions, and he's. Um, yeah, he tends to dance around. I just think he, he, he he's a hard well, he's a hard person to like at the best of times. I mean, I, I've um, you know he was I know a few of the, the Leicester Tiger boys, and you know they were they were pretty positive of of how you know his coaching style, and um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think the the, the lease is, is quite short, but then again, we are what are we eighteen months away from a World Cup, so you know there, there's no chance of um, um, no chance of there being any changes, but. It's it's interesting, you know, his where Eddie's been. You know, it's quite common knowledge. His, um, you know, he has a big effect early on, and then the well, wheels start to fall off his sides, which is potentially what's happening now. Eighteen month Eddie, you know, but somehow he's he's just well, yeah. he's he's been kind of I don't know ballroom dancing on the plank for another eighteen months. It's well longer. It's it's been quite remarkable. So be interesting to see what happens and how England react to another three loss Six Nations. It's been awesome to catch up, mate. Um, we'll, we'll hopefully do it again sometime. It's it's great to get your knowledge on the game in the north, and it's cool to hear that you're still following along down here as well. So it's been a pleasure. Not a problem. Thanks very much. There you go, Scott Hamilton, um, Crusader, played 60-odd games for the Crusaders, 150-odd for Leicester Tigers. So understands the concept of what rugby means in the north and exactly what they're doing up there. Oh, look, Eddie Jones, he's, a, he's an enigma, really. He is an absolute enigma. He fights with his back against the wall no matter what. Here's what he had to say following the series, uh, the Six Nations, and look, England well, well beaten by Ireland and France both and three lost Six Nations, which is never good for an English coach. Here's what Eddie had to say about France and where his squad is at. Well, France are deserved champions of the Six Nations. They're the best team. Uh, I was pleased with the spirit and purpose our team played with. You know, we created enough opportunities to win the game, but we weren't quite clinical enough in doing that. And that's been a, a little bit of the story of us in the in the Six Nations. We put ourselves in position to win the three games we've lost, but not being clinical enough, not being good enough, particularly in in some of our clean out work on the ball, uh, to win those games. So that's disappointing. But the spirit we showed is going to make sure that this team 
keeps moving in the right direction. Yeah, well, the World Cup's, uh, by my calculation, at least 14 months away. Uh, we've got about 11 test matches. And within that time, we need to improve our, our breakdown work. We need to improve our ability to, to finish opportunities we create. And if we do that, then the difference will be uh, absolutely marginal. So there you go. Eddie Jones is trying to time his run to the World Cup. He knows exactly how long he's got, and he probably knows exactly how much air he has left in the room. Here's what I want to know from you, though. France is paying $3 for the World Cup. New Zealand, $3.50. For me, that is the most false second favourite you will find in a Rugby World Cup market this, this century. We are not 50 cents worse than France. We are $2.50 worse than France. Did you watch the Six Nations? And where do you feel we are at compared to the Northern Hemisphere internationals? And you can be a patriot if you want and try and deny that they are not just getting further and further away from us. But as Scott points out, the lack of the pressure cooker situation, and are we playing in a rugby eco chamber down here in Super Rugby at the moment? Kempi, I want to know from you, and I want to know from you on the Kenard's Higher phone line, 0800 150 811. Are we in a rugby eco chamber? Are you worried? 50 cents for the market, the difference between France and New Zealand? I think you're having me. 21 and a half past seven, here with Kim's Warehouse. Great savings every day. More international rugby up after this. Bestest raises ever now start from just $19.99 at Chemist Warehouse. You're listening to Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SENZ. SCNZ, uh, look, it's 27 minutes past seven and I'm, just, I'm wondering about international rugby after watching the Six Nations. When was the last time we were in this much of an echo chamber in terms of rugby? The Six Nations and, and thinking about France's ceiling, are we just stuck in the weeds down here while France is scooting away to what might be one of the more dominant Rugby World Cup wins? I know it's a long way out, but Kempi, I, I can't stop thinking about it, and Scott just kind of reaffirmed that for me. Yeah, look, we we, we have been struggling. Um, I think on the back of COVID too, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a bubble here, um, especially around benchmarking, Louis. I think one of the biggest problems that the the coaches and the staff uh, for the All Blacks can't do is benchmark. With the with all their international games against the best teams, so you're watching it on TV, and your your, your analysis is all, um, always done without actually having some physical presence inside that analysis. So um, you don't really, you know, unless you're playing sides um, to benchmark against them to see where you're at, then it's really a guessing game. And if you're looking at, I guess last year's All Black side uh, to this year's French side, they they the French side weren't being the favourites. Again, well, you know, there's so many different pieces of a World Cup, though. You know about playing how you how you pick your early teams when those early rounds get the get the combinations going. But one thing you do know when you get if, you, if you're playing against the French, especially the the All Blacks, is that they're always going to be up for the game. And and the question is, are they really that much better than us at the moment? Well, it's the age-old question: how much how much time do you need to hone a World Cup squad? Do you turn up? And do you do it the eight, the months before? France have struggled with consistency, Kempi. So is the fact that they've won Six Nations now, they're coming off a year beating us and they look better this year. Have they, like, is that not like the Death Star? Like, are they not coming to, to claim it all? Well, the, I guess, the, you know, the, it's the young ball walking into the old ball's um, arena, isn't it? You know, the All Blacks are, are, are the world champs. They, you know, have got players in their side that have been to World Cups and have experienced it and know how to win it. You know, and you can't say the same about the French team, but the French team, as they did to the All Blacks at the end of last year, have no respect for them because you know that's what young people 
when they come into sides. You mean you mean France doesn't? The French don't have respect for the All Blacks. Mate, I, I made a comment last year. I got asked about the All Blacks um, on a couple of occasions last year, and I said. Um, especially when they played South Africa and lost that first test to South Africa. And I said, what the South Africans have just shown the Northern Hemisphere sides is that if you bash the All Blacks, they struggle. Yeah. Okay? They they really struggle because they get put under pressure. They make errors. They get the, they got to think quicker. And what I saw with the All Blacks last year is they got really frustrated and they tried things that just aren't All Blacks. You know what I mean? And then you watch them go up on that Northern tour. And I watched the French. They just had no respect. They just went out there and they bashed them. You know? And, right. and what you do know with the French is that, like, Scott was saying they're big, they're horrible. They love smashing people, and and at the moment when you've got the number nine, arguably the best number nine, and our number nine's on the way out, but they got a good they got a good steering wheel as well. They've got a good steering wheel, and they're galvanised. Fabian Gauthier and uh, Anton Dupont have the French galvanised with a common goal. Hi guys, don't forget about the Irish and how huge upset Wales been about Italy at home. Yes. Italy are on the up. Ireland are clipping at France's heels. And I don't think we're clipping at Ireland's heels. Who cares about... That's from an unnamed texter. Who cares about rugby at the moment? Do we even play professional <laughs> rugby in this country at the moment? It's from Richie. Well, Richie, this is what I mean, man. We're stuck in the weeds trying to get a, a trans-Tasman, a Pacific competition to function, while France is playing hard-nosed tests and dropping England on their head. You know? It's interesting. But it's not international rugby season, so... We could probably park this one. Double eight, double three, though, if you've got any final thoughts on international rugby or where we are, I appreciate your text uh, there on the text machine. After this, we're going to do a Choices for Ring poll, Kempe. And it's a, look, it's a funny old Monday because, yeah, it might have been a fill-up on the punt and can I get an amen and Sitarama have us in a good mood. But, man, there'll be some hurting sports fans today because there were some tough results. And I'm going to incorporate that into our Choices for Ring poll. Right now, it's Araha with the news for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. SCNZ Baz and Izzy for breakfast Welcome into the show 27 minutes away from 8 o'clock this morning Live sport going on The West Indies are scrapping to stay in their test On day 5 against England They are 42 for 3 Chasing about 300 odd I think uh, But they've got at least another session and a bit to go So they'll be trying to bat this one out England hot on the attack uh, IndyCar Underway and Scott McLaughlin is in the top 10. He was leading for a bit, 200 laps through that event. Scott Dixon is in 11th, Scott McLaughlin now in 7th. And for petrol heads, well, welcome back, Ferrari. Ferrari going huge in the F1. Uh, Max Verstappen, oh, Christian Horner will be spewing Red Bull no good. Mercedes coming pretty good at the end. And uh, look, a lot a lot to come out of that, and I'm sure we'll hear plenty about it because we are all the way into drives to survive. Kempe, you're even, you were glued to the F1 this morning. 
Mate, I'm becoming, I'm becoming a fan, you know. Like you've got me back into it. The the, the conversation we had with the the drive to survive um, people, and and then just <laughs> talking about F1 every day, and liking liking the the names of the cars, Mercedes, Ferraris, you know, chucking a Red Bull, and mate, yeah, all of a sudden I'm a fan again. So, um, yeah, good to wake up this morning, um, come in here, talk to you about it. I know you you love it, mate, and I'm really surprised at how many people actually watch uh, Drive to Survive. So. Hey, um, it's a cu- cultural touchstone. Oh, mate, yeah, um, and I've started watching it, so. There you go. Hey, uh, fandom. It's a funny old thing. And, you know, I feel like this morning we're going to be wounded in parts and pockets of the nation. But I guess that means that other people will be happy. So you've got to be careful. We're not all just miserable because our team's lost. But choices for in poll time. See your floor change in an instant with room view. Um. Let me look at this. Let me let me let me try and work this one out. It feels like it's a weekend of tough losses, even though I got paid and Pet Refuge and Z got paid because I can get an amen got up. So that was awesome. But it somehow feels like a weekend of tough losses. I'm wondering which would have stung the most. And I want you to have your choice, Kimpy. And I want you to have your choice by going to the SENZ app, clicking on our stream this morning and voting in this poll. I want you to have your choice. Which loss is going to sting the most? The White Ferns? Because the White Ferns lost to England yesterday kind of had it all. They were terrible, and then England nearly gave it back. And I guess that loss kind of is symptomatic of their tournament. The Warriors, second game out of preseason, and it looks like they're underdone. Dan Hooker in the UFC? Um... You just saw how gutted he was in the ring. Oh, look at that, in the octagon. That that was pretty hard to see, and he he was he was ended fast. Like that was emphatic. Well, Moana Pacifica, who after promising signs against the Crusaders, were buried by the Chiefs, and and the Chiefs had no mercy. It was the one Super Rugby game this weekend, and it might feel like a little bit of backwards backwards step. White Ferns, Moana Pacifica, Dan Hooker, or the Warriors. What was what's the loss that's going to sting the most? That's your choices flooring poll because there'll be people hurting this morning. Head to the SCNZ app and vote there. Kimpy, we'll lob you up the Warriors because look. Oh uh, look, I I watched Dan Hooker. Um, I felt really sorry for him, mate. He just got he got he got sort of a couple of really quick. Um, it was like watching someone hit a punching bag, you know, mm. and stunned him, and and he just never recovered from it. So, I really feel feel sorry for Dan. I watched the build up; he was really confident going into that fight. Um, and then I watched the Chiefs take Moana Pacifica apart. Like, I mean, they Dismantled. they took him apart, mate. It was, they it was like a game of touch in the end. Um, so that would be really hard. And you're dead right. You know, it's really hard for Moana Pacifica to come into this competition and, and compete week in, week out. We always know that about a, a new team. Um, and then I, I turned I turned the TV off. I thought the White Ferns were done. I didn't see the collapse. Uh, I turned it off before the collapse. I was like, man, this is so sad. You know, playing the World Cup down here in your own country and getting bailed out in the, in the prelims is, uh, I can tell you, not on the, on the script for them. So they'll be really, really hurt today. And... I'm just going through the Warriors again in my head, and I'm, I'm watching all the all the footage again, thinking, what actually? You know, I'm trying to put my finger on the on the the boil to say because there's a boil there, mate. Like it, it hasn't actually erupted, but there's something else going on. Um, and I'm just trying to put it on, but I'm watching the highlights again, and I'm just thinking, mate, they just they're not fit enough. I, there's something gone wrong in the off season, and I just can't put my finger on it, but. They've had plenty of opportunities to win that game on the weekend, 
we've all thought that they'd start, you know, all the the talk about Sean Johnson and Ash Taylor fighting for a contract and, you know, I've got a really good forward pack and um, should be making the eight and, and, and thinking that they'll start the season. Well, well, I think they've started the season as well as they could. They could have. I actually don't think they're ready. One of the one of the biggest problems I think they've got is that they've got a side out here that just can't play the minutes, and and that's across the board. And when you're watching the the um, like the dead set just catching you know catch and put the ball in over the try line um, decision making, they can't even catch the ball in an open field. How can the Warriors not be ready after a disappointing end to last year with? some bad attitudes, some off-season drama. How can the coaching staff and the Warriors organisation not have their players ready for round one to make a statement, statement and win back the fans? 0800-150-811, the Kennard's High phone line. How? Somebody. Kempe, if, if like, I, I'm, I want to know. I want to know what you honestly, like, what do you put it down to? There's a great text here from Mark. Kane's come through on double eight, double three. Dan Hooker losing hurt us all. You're right, Kane. It did. But the Warriors in particular, how are they not ready after the way the season finished last year? Where is the disconnect? I want to hear from you. Double eight, double three. But please give us a call on the Kenards High phone line. 0800-150-811. More on the Warriors from Kempe up after this. Listening to Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SENZ. SCNZ, we're a quarter to eight this morning, 21st of March, a bit of a rainy old morning up here in the 09, Tamaki Makoto, plenty to debrief from the weekend, including what the hell is going on with the Warriors, how can we be sitting here after round two, looking at a game which should have been put away about four or five separate times, and asking how were they not ready for this season, Kempe, um Look, there's a, this could be down to a put down to a fitness thing. It could be put down to a leadership thing, but whatever it is, fans and look, Warriors punters that gave them the benefit of the doubt, like yourself at the start of the season, you'd just be hurting, won't you? Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I guess you know, to, your heart's hurting. Your your mind goes well. You know, there's obviously some issues. I think if, we, if you drill it back and keep drilling back to what the core of the issue is, you know, if they're not ready, then they're people that get them ready. Um, there's then you drill it back further, and if they're not being prepared to be ready, then there's obviously a respect issue. So, look, I think I think you know the further you 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 drill it down, you sort of come back to the to the issue, and it's when you when you when you basically want to play for a club, you respect the whole club, and and that's part of that DNA about the club. And if you show up, and I think at the moment they've shown up and they're they're short of a gallop. Um, the problem isn't that one player is short of a gallop. There's quite a few that are short of a gallop, and that just there's a bit of a respect issue going on there. Um, you've got a good text here. Look, I believe what Kempe says is true about the Warriors not being able, uh, not being ready. But you can talk to anyone in that organisation, and they're not going to say that other than we're not quite there at the moment. They might say a couple of. Um, things about being ready, but I'll doubt whether you'll get the truth. And that's from Mark. And and yeah, that's a spin. Like the spin doctor puts it on and says, you know, we 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 are heading in the right way. And, and for me, 
when I heard Nathan Brown speak on the weekend, I, I heard panic in his voice. You know what I mean? I heard panic in his in his responses about, you know, we're not a development club anymore. they got to get out there. They've mm. got to do better, you know. And then you hear Josh Curran come out and he says, you know, we, we've made some really dumb errors and we, we've got to be better than that. And I'm just sitting here going, mate, that's like once or twice a year, not like for the first two weeks you want to be saying things like that. It's, it's like they're starting to get a little bit nervy. Well, it's like you come in and you think, what are we going to be doing after week eight? What are we going to be saying <laughs> uh, in two months' time, not two rounds? This is a good text from James. The disconnect is when Reese Walsh tries to grab with the ball three or four times on the third tackle and Ash Taylor not doing anything against his old team. James, Ash Taylor was disappointing for me. I thought he was – I said on Friday – Watching the Warriors against the Titans, a golden opportunity to set, set the standard for the season and Ash Taylor to set the standard, his personal standard for the season. He let us down. Reese Walsh let us down. Yeah, and, so, you, and you can't have your spine letting you down. You know, like, like waiting. But so who's, jump- Kimby, whose fault's that? Is that? Is that, does that onus go on the player? Reese Walsh has to be better and has to make that catch. Reese Walsh has to know that he needs to tuck the ball and not kick it? Or does that come from a messaging thing from those that are meant to be teaching and coaching Reese Walsh? Who, where does the onus go? Well, the onus goes on the player when he's out on the football field. Like, a coach can only get you, get you done you know, and get you ready. It's like what Alan says, you know, I've done everything I can do now. Now it's up to the jockey and the horse to go out there and deliver for me. It's, a, it's the same analogy. Coach prepares you all, all off-season, all week, getting get you ready to follow some structures and follow the system. Now... When players go out there and they start to kick the ball on the third tackle willy-nilly, um, you know, they're not listening to the, the structured play that the coach wants them to play like Ash Taylor and Cody Nicarima haven't done in the first two weeks. You've got a problem with that communication line. There's something wrong. There's a blockage in there somewhere, and I don't know what that is. That's what I'm saying. Is it, is it, a, is it a lack of respect for what Nathan Brown is saying and what he's trying to achieve? So... Um, but I, I was more disappointed about Ash Taylor um, than anyone because I thought he's had the perfect opportunity to step in a side and show that you know he wanted to lead and game manage a side, which he which he can do. He's a, he's at that age where he can do that. But you lose Sean Johnson, Ash Taylor doesn't stand up, and now we're saying that that Chanel Harris Tavita, who the club had let him go, is our best player in the spine. Now again, you've got a massive issue because. <laughs> If you're talking a lack of respect and you're saying to the best player in your spine, you can go elsewhere, mate, Isaiah Papali, you know, oh. best player at Parramatta. I, I, want, I just want to be really clear. Like, um, you you and me both, and I know this because we've talked about it off here, we are not saying that this is a season doom and gloom done. There is, nah, pl- way too there early. is so much time to come and there is so much opportunity for the Warriors to knuckle down and fight and show us that they care. But... After round two, and just remember how grumpy we were when the season ended. Let's put it in perspective to the end of last year. After round two, when you think about all that context of how disappointed we were, how are we sitting here saying there's a lack of effort, there's a lack of direction, and the basics and kind of conditioning don't look to be right? So where's the message getting broken up? Double eight, double three, oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. We're not having, we're not putting the burden for the sake of it. Trent says the Warriors have too many fast twitch fiber athletes and need to get the balance right with slow twitch athletes required, i.e. the, i.e. greater aerobic capacity. Oh, Trent, I mean, I take, I take your text, but. Like these these guys get paid a lot of money. They can turn themselves into an aerobic athlete. Like they can run more. Matt Walsh, heat exhaustion round two after doing a full preseason up there. Look, it just doesn't sound right. You know, like he never told me. Like you don't need to be told when you're living in a confined space with each other. You can see it. 
You know what I mean? Like, he never told me he was he wasn't right, and and he had to come off, and we decided that he wouldn't get back on. Come on, man! You know you've got fourteen thousand staff members around you that that have breakfast with them, that see him at training, the physio sees him, gets massage, and not one of your staff members alluded that Matt Lodge wasn't right. Hey, you know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense. Hey, there's nothing that's going to be lost in travel this year. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, and but hey, they're not going to be the most travelled team in the NRL this year. No, well, there's no, well, there's no excuses. Look, I feel for them that they're not playing in front of a home crowd. I think they will play in the front of the home crowd by the, end, so. by the end of the year. But as the season goes on, you thank God it's only round two. But what happens if it gets to round four, round six, round eight, and you're four games behind the top four, and and then you're back in the bottom four chasing two games to get to them, then it becomes a chasing game, mate. You like that? You like that? Horse at the back of the race that missed the kick and got stuck in the <laughs> stuck in the um, in the jump out. You know what I mean? So you know, well, and that's what's happened at the moment. They've missed it. They missed the kick. There's no Cinerama story here, Kimpy. <laughs> well, there might be, and <laughs> I hope, I hope, I hope, be. I hope there is. Look, I just wanted it so bad. I wanted to watch them on Saturday and go, man, they are trying. They are absolutely busting their asses. And this is where it's like scary parallels for that guy wearing the Warriors jersey. So you can think about piling it on. Hey, eh? at the moment you're piling it on. You know, week on Who? week, because you're you're in a, you're in an outhouse and it's just piling on top of each other. It's just you know you're out there well, in the in team environment. In the team environment. Now imagine now that the owner starts to get annoyed, and he starts piling it on. You know what I mean? And then the CEO starts to feel the pressure, and then he starts piling on. because you know what is really deathly silent at the moment is the CEO. He has been vocal over the last two seasons. Well, but yes, but and like we and I've, this is the third time. It's week two. We know that. We are aware of that. We're not going early. We're not riding them off. So don't. You know, I don't want. <laughs> no, but I'm not saying that. What I'm no. saying is, when they start to come, then it starts to feel like real heat in there's the only, house. There's only one option: keep cool. They need to stay calm. They can't panic, but they need to answer these questions. Oh, and they need to win, big time. Pressure release, win. Here's our man Vossi, ECN breakfast over in Sydney, eleven seventy. This was the end of the game. He called it. That's me. Is it you? 0800 I'm baffled and I want better and I think we're going to get it at some stage but I just don't want to wait too long. There's lots of similarities between the White Ferns. We'll talk about them after 8 o'clock. Mark on 8833. How good were the Roosters though? Yeah, really good, Mark. <laughs> really, really good. It's six minutes away from eight here on Baz Dizzy for breakfast. You're listening to SCNZ. Absolutely loved your correspondence this morning on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Temper and Bedpost's range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Make sure you keep your messages coming through. And if you want to vote in the Choices Forum poll, we're going to put it on Twitter. Just a couple of issues with the app, so we'll make sure that it goes on Twitter. I'm asking you, what loss stung the most? The White Ferns? The Warriors? Dan Hooker? Moana Pacifica? All brutal in their own right. The White Ferns in particular. Kempi, we're going to talk to Debbie Hockley. You said you didn't make it to the end of the game, so you didn't uh, You didn't actually see the England try give it back to us. But overall, pretty disappointing. 
Oh, yeah, you have to be you know, at home watching them. Everyone's watching them. Even if you don't like cricket like me, you're watching it cricket because it's a Kiwi fern um, representing our country and you want them to win, so it has to be hurting. We'll ask Debbie Hockley because as a proud former player and a, a Hall of Famer, I'd love to know what her take on this one is. It's coming up to 8 o'clock. We're going to find ourselves a lovely McCafe coffee. Here's the news with Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. Gillette's bestest raises ever now start from just $19.99 at Chemist Warehouse. This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. Welcome to Monday. There's Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. Baz over on his way to India. He's in India even. Izzy back tomorrow. Kempi, Tony Kemp and Louis Herman Watt, myself in the seats this morning. And there is a lot going on. Rafael Nadal to face Taylor Fritz in the Indian Wells final. He is on a tear. Ferrari, red cars go fast. They are firing. A Warriors and White Ferns debrief. That is not what I want to be doing. France dominating world rugby. The Knights and Roosters looking up. And can I get an amen saluting for punters in the weekend? So much to get through. We've covered it all so far. Head to Baznizzi for breakfast if you want to catch up with your podcasts. But right now we're going to look at the Women's World Cup, the Cricket World Cup, which we've been broadcasting on SCNZ. It's been unbelievable to have um, so much interest in this tournament and so many people keen to get stuck in and really, really... Well, I guess feel passionate about this side, Kempi. Here's one. White Ferns, it's just heartbreaking because we know they are a better team than that and we have produ- we have not produced in this tournament. That is from Grant Elliott, and I think that sums it all up. Debbie Hockley is a Hall of Famer. She played many times for New Zealand, um, always with honour, and, and I ha- has been following along this tournament as close as anyone. She's been good enough to join us on the show this morning. It's a great privilege to be able to catch up with Debbie in a morning where we probably won't be talking what we want to talk about. Debbie, yesterday a, a hard one to take yet again? Yeah, kia ora, guys. Uh, yes, it was. Um, uh, very gripping match, but I know that the girls, they'll, they'll be completely and utterly devastated after that loss last night. So I feel for them very much. I've I've been in that situation before, you know, when I was playing cricket, especially a um, couple of times, uh, you know, losing very close matches, a couple of times losing World Cup finals. And it's it's very, very gutting. And I think that uh, they will, they've got a few days off now before their, before their last uh, round robin match against Pakistan and Christchurch on Saturday. And uh, I think they'll be a very, <clears throat> excuse me, subdued bunch, really, thinking of, uh, what might have been? Hey, Debbie, disappointing for for players and fans alike. What what needs to change? Do changes need to be made? Um, <clears throat> look, I think it's to be to be honest. I think that you know, after after any tournament like this, there'll be you know lots of reflection. And to be honest, I just think it's far too early to talk about things like that, especially since they haven't even finished playing the tournament yet. So. I think that all they'll be doing is focusing on seeing if they can have a, a really good, what may well be the finish to their tournament against Pakistan uh, on Saturday. And I think that that's all that they'll be focusing on. They've got, you know, the, the girls who are in the team, they've 
they've spent a lot of time preparing for this tournament. Um, you know, they've worked really hard to keep themselves safe from COVID by sort of being in their own bubble. Uh, and I think that um, just far too early to talk about things like that when they haven't finished the tournament yet. Debbie, a lot, a lot has been made, and I think unfairly at times, about mental strength and, and fortitude and specific moments because I don't know how you'd even know what exactly a athlete is thinking in the moment they're going about things. So I think that's unfair to kind of criticise and, and run assumptions on that. But what we do know is they've lost big moments in games over and over again. Is there anything you've seen and you've been able to relate back to your own playing days that could explain why they can't win these massive moments in games? Uh, no, I actually, I honestly don't have an answer for that. Um, the only thing I, I suppose is, uh, what would be, what would be, I think what's helpful for teams overseas, like say England, Australia, I think that they perhaps get subjected to a higher level of domestic competition more regularly, so if, with the Women's Bash Big Women's Big Bash League in Australia uh, and what used to be the Kia Super League in England and now the 100. I think players from those countries have the opportunity of playing in more um, pressure situations than we do here in New Zealand. And I do think that uh, the more exposure you have to pressure situations, the more you're adept at managing them when games come around and I think even though we do have um, some of our White Ferns players play in both of those competitions uh, even last year in the Women's Big Bash League for example you know we only had one player but really because of our COVID situation and the quarantining here which is look you know that's just the way it is we've got a global pandemic but I so I think and if the World Cup had perhaps been a year earlier that some of our players would have been playing more in those high-pressure situations. And it's not necessarily something that I think that we get replicated in our domestic cricket here. And I think that experience is really the only way to um, to harden yourself for those situations. So that's probably my assessment of it. And, and also I think that uh, in the game yesterday, for example, you know, we have to give credit to the English bowlers because they had four of their bowlers uh, who uh, ended up with eight wickets between them, only going a little bit more than three and over. And so their execution of their skills yesterday really put pressure on the New Zealand batters as well. So all of those factors contribute. Debbie, so so if you're you know looking at the I guess the transition and probably doing something um, and changing it up to make a, a significant difference. What would that what would that be in you know, knowing being there yourself um, in this side in the future, what what would you what would you change to sort of make this team better? Would it be the the like you're saying of the competition, like getting them up to England or into the Australian competitions, or, or would it be something like creating a competition here in New Zealand where they get that hard hard nosed cricket week in, week out? Ah, but it could potentially be a combination of both, I suppose. Um, I think that uh, you know having the having the competition uh, domestically here would be terrific, and I think that you know we we do the the positive thing that I see is that we've got a you know we've got a really good crop of uh, younger players coming through 
which will give more competition to the established players, um, and I think that that will be helpful. So um, next domestic season, for example, uh, I would hope that uh, you know within our domestic competition within New Zealand that there would be um, you know stronger competition for places within the White Ferns, and it may be that we have uh, you know. It, once the COVID situation sort of settles down a little bit for New Zealand, I, I really don't think we can kind of underestimate the impact that that's had. Then maybe we will be able to have more players who are able to play both in England and in Australia because I think that that will ultimately help um, our performance back here. It does become a real chicken-egg scenario, doesn't it, whether you want immediate results so you send them offshore to get that um, level or you invest and you kind of need to do a bit of both. I think that's what you trying to explain well yes. part, yeah and it, yep. and it is a it's like it's very complicated it's not an easy fix and I don't pity the decision makers at NZC just on a more positive note though Debbie I mean you've been a, a huge advocate for women's cricket for so long and th- have you noticed the la- so the opposite of apathy we care so much we're so disappointed like it isn't that just awesome that we genuinely are gutted for them because we thought that they could go on to do great things and in a weird way like it's sad that they might not have got the results but have you noticed the amount of care and interest in cricket during this World Cup? Oh absolutely it has been the most amazing tournament and I've said many times I, I think it's a miracle that this tournament's happened and I've been very, um, I've said many, many times how much I admire the local organising committee within New Zealand who's worked tirelessly with the ICC and with the New Zealand government just to, you know, we've, we've got to, just to have this tournament taking place, we've got a, we've got a World Cup which has been the most gripping viewing, I think, of any World Cup and I, and I would be, I would be happy to say probably, you know, whether it's men's or women's cricket, I think that this World Cup has provided more close finishes and more gripping games than any other that I have either been involved with or seen before. So I I think it's just testament to the amount of work that's gone on to actually host this tournament during New Zealand's worst time of uh, our pandemic. Look, I, I seriously think it's a miracle and I think, you know, we've been treated to some wonderful cricket I totally agree with that. It's lovely to talk about the. I mean, I know it's really disappointing from the White Ferns' point of view, but it, it, it it's exactly what you say. It's been so nice having the amount of interest. You know, people talking about the, these players by their first names. It's kind of like having a Richie in their team because no, no one needs to you know explain who Richie is, uh, and even the crowd at the game. Yesterday at Eden Park, you know, when New Zealand had that wonderful fight back against England, which we shouldn't underestimate either. Um, I, you know, the crowd was clapping every ball and cheering, and it was, you know, it was it was just a huge atmosphere, and that's something that I I really haven't seen here for a very long time. So I think this this whole World Cup here has um, there are far more positives to it than um, the disappointment of the White Ferns. Uh, perhaps not getting through uh, to the semi-finals. It's been wonderful. I have loved it. Hey, Debbie. So, who wins it and why? Uh, I think Australia would be. I think Australia is going to win it, and uh, because they've demonstrated not only through this tournament, but since the last World Cup tournament in 2017, they have demonstrated that they have uh, become such a, a formidable unit. They have talent right throughout their team. They have strong competition for their places, and they just 
they have enough uh, experienced heads that if they get into a difficult situation, they just play their way through it. So for me, Australia will certainly be one of the finalists. But what I'm not sure about at the moment, who who will be the other finalists? Finalist, and I don't even know at this point who's going to be the semi-finalist, and that shows what a fantastic tournament is, where you where you've got lots of teams who are still vying for those places. Yeah. So, really, my my last point that I'd just like to say, if we're finishing soon, is while it's really disappointing for the White Ferns, and I know that they'll be disappointed, uh, they have shown a lot of grit and determination at points throughout their matches, and you, even though they might not have achieved the result that they want to. It's not been through any lack of effort or determination or passion on their part. And I really just want to um, emphasise that point. No, no, and I I can't see anyone uh, disagreeing with you because, Debbie, from my point of view, I've listened and I've watched them be gutted and disappointed in their results. And I don't think anyone will be beating themselves up more than they are today, this morning. No, Um, that's correct. Yeah, no, no, take your point and appreciate your time this morning. It's been a pleasure to watch you um, cover this tournament and enjoy the rest of it. Thank you very much. Thanks for the chance to say hi this morning. Cheers. No worries. Debbie Hockley, Hall of Famer, absolute icon of women's cricket. And um, look, makes a couple of good points there. She's glass half full, but without missing the, without kind of skimming over the fact that they have underachieved. And maybe it's a lack of exposure. Is that what we're getting? A lack of exposure? How do you get more exposure? Do you need to send more of them offshore? What does that do to our domestic competition? Richie's fired up. Get rid of the coach. I'm gutted because there are a couple of our all-time greats that this will be more likely the end of their ODI swan song. They have four months to sort themselves out for the T20 at the Com Games. Well, Richie, uh, look, Debbie didn't want to say swing the axe. She says it's too early. I think a lot She's of people... She's too nice, mate. I think a lot of people will be thinking that. I, I tell you what, change is needed because the talent's there. Something's got to change. Something will change. You can point to selections. You can point to tactics, uh, following through on tactics. The glass half full, yeah, Sophie, Amy, Susie, Katie, Mealy. She's right about the first name thing. Great point. We love we love this team. But glass half empty, they've underachieved hugely, Gimpy. And I, something needs to change. Yeah, I totally agree. I think I think home, home ground advantage was massive for me when they came in. I thought they'd at least be in the semis. Um, and once you get through to tournament semis, mate, it's all it's anyone's, anyone's, you know. So um, they they will be bitterly disappointed that that's not going to happen for them. So I can guarantee you that the rev- the people that review this whole campaign will be going right. Well, how do we make it better? And we can, we're not going to go around with this again. And there will be change coming. Yeah, you'd suspect so. Uh, you're right. Bitterly disappointed. Here's Amy Satterthwaite. Listen to the listen to this. Listen to the, the tone of her voice after she, after the game last night. And Debbie is also right. No one will be more gutted than they are this morning. Yeah, it's never a nice position to be in when you're relying on other results. And um, I think coming into today, we felt like we still had it, I guess, in our control. And um, yeah, it's pretty gut wrenching to get that close and not quite get over the line um, and, and feel like you're. I guess standing on the edge of the cliff, borderline out of the competition. Yeah, I think that's the frustrating part is I really felt like we turned a corner against India in the series before this tournament um, as a group and we started to put some consistent totals on the board around that sort of 260, 270 and everyone was playing their role superbly and um, but we've obviously had some things not go our way um, today with the likes of Sophie's injury. Um, we've obviously lost Lauren Down coming into this tournament, but I still back the people that were in this lineup to 
um, produce bigger scores than what we have been and um, I think sometimes we possibly get a little bit ahead of ourselves and think we need more than we do and um, just sort of I guess a bit of guts and determination to take it a little bit deeper um, to be able to get that score on the board. I thought Maddie and myself had absorbed a little bit today and we're just starting to turn a quarter and gain a little bit of momentum and my wicket was really poor timing in that sense and unfortunately after that it was a little bit of dominoes. A world away from the bubbly, positive, upbeat, mm. optimistic self she was with us on Wednesday morning last week. Mm. A world away, Kimby. Yeah, she was. And, and, you know, really hard to, to go into a room after a disappointing loss like that, especially when you've got so much on the line and have that um, eloquent um, way of being able to get her message across. And, and be, behind that message, she was basically saying, we knew we were good enough. We just didn't deliver. Didn't get runs from places you need runs, didn't execute bowling plans or didn't have bowling plans in place when you needed them. Clamps weren't on. You only get one shot at a World Cup at home every once in a while and that's why it's painful. It's painful for us. We've got behind the team and it's painful for the the team themselves and, of course, Bob Carter, Jacob Warham. We'll follow this and we'll see what happens, you know. I'll be so curious to see what the world, what the women's World Cup uh, women's T20 side looks like as Richie points out towards the end of this year and then the next three years huge period a make or break period for uh, the White Ferns because the Black Ferns that's uh, the Black Ferns the Black Caps well they're flying high they've got it right how do we replicate that what sort of exposure do the White Ferns need 0800 811 the Kennard's higher phone line is there if you've got any answers for us I'd love to know what do they need well double eight double three the Temper Bed Post text machine we're back to have a long look at the weekend on the punt with Paulie Mawadi. The party. After this, it's Baz and Izzy for breakfast with Kempi and Louie. We're here with Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. At home and have results in just 15 minutes with Helgen COVID rapid antigen tests from Chemist Warehouse. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. SCNZ, 25 minutes past eight this morning. If I'm reading this right, it looks like Scotty McLaughlin might have finished second in the first or in his latest IndyCar race uh, behind Joseph Newgarden. Scott McLaughlin, a bit of a motor racing savant. If you're a Ferrari fan, uh, Ferrari fan, do you know any Italian, Kimby? None whatsoever. Um... <laughs> okay, neither. Well, that stops that. I thought you might. Look, you, you've always got something. I thought you might. No, no, mate. If Izzy I'm was here, would have made something gonna, up, mate. I'm not even going to try that one. Okay. Okay. Well, Ferrari, they went fast anyway. Um, so, congratulations to them. Premier League this morning. Uh, wow, the EPL is getting hot, isn't it? Leicester City got up over Brentford 2 1, Tottenham 3 1 over West Ham. PGA Tour last round is cooking as well. Justin Thomas hunting the leaders, Riley and Neesmith out. He is two back oh, from Riley. And a lot more as well that we'll be able to keep and keep tabs on throughout the day today. If you've missed anything from Baz and Izzy for breakfast, the lads away. Izzy back tomorrow. Baz in India will pin him down uh, sometime this week. Head to our podcast channels to tune in. Out of ten, your weekend on the punt. Oh, I'd give that maybe a six on the weekend. I wasn't wasn't um, you know I don't normally have a have a punt when I've got a horse running. I tend to just um, sit back and, and 
um, wish that the thing could run well and hope that it wins, you know, and and take everything from there because it so, sort of doesn't make really too much sense if you're back in, back in your horse when it's already running for you know considerable amount of money. So um, I did have a I did have a punt on the weekend because I thought that there were two decent chances and and one of it was um, can I get an amen because of its form and Cinerama because it, it went back from a Group One to a Group Three and I thought. It ran okay in the in the group one, but it, it should have should have at least placed. And I thought on that form, it would it, it would or should win. Yeah, again, we we, we talked about it. Um, maybe let's not just over let's not ever underestimate what company you're coming out of. Paul Mawadi is in our company now. Tab.co.nz, your place for everything racing and sport. Paulie, uh, I just love to think that finally the punters got one up over Trentham and the bookies. Like it felt like it was a, a I mean, maybe Ballon Rouge and the Oaks are hard, a hard result to get, but for the most part, punters pretty happy. Yeah, punters very, very happy uh, with how things went at Trentham on Oaks Day uh, Saturday. Um, as you said, uh, Cinerama getting up, can I get an amen? The day started off nicely with Slipper, Slipper Island picking Island. up the two-year-old. Uh, and, of course, the favourite wins the last, the fearless one. So um, <laughs> there's plenty of cash in pockets all around the country, and I know uh, one of those pockets is yours, Louis. <laughs> well, it is, but also, and this is, and, and jokes aside, I was stoked because I had a fill-up, and it meant that I could donate $150 to Pet Refuge New Zealand, and I did that straight away on Saturday afternoon so I didn't get silly with any of my profits. And your colleagues, they can't ever be accused of not being good men, Thad Taylor and Stephen Hunt, and I asked them to match me, and they did. Because I had them on about can I get an amen during the week, and they, they held firm. There was actually a little drift. Um, so it's awesome to see Stephen Hunt and Thad Taylor commend you boys. Big round of applause for getting in behind Pet Refuge New Zealand with tab.co.nz. Really cool. They're good men, aren't they, Paul? They are very, very good men. Um, they could, if you put Warriors jerseys on them, they, they, they might just help that team turn the corner. I'll give you right now. Get, get them then. Get them two jerseys. Get them two jerseys. Get them put on. They need all the help they can. Talk, Paulie, talking about the Warriors, um, you took a lot of money on the weekend. We, we don't need to talk about people losing all their money, but where was the biggest bets coming um, for with the NRL on the weekend? Uh, well, it was for the Warriors. Uh, oh, there. Yeah. We, we took uh, almost two and a half times more money on the Warriors in the head-to-head market than we did on the Gold Coast Titans. Uh, it was a it was a terrible result uh, for us if the Warriors uh, did actually get up and win. They they haven't. Um, and I'm just having a look at the top eight book because, of course, we've still got the Warriors uh, top eight bonus back promotion, uh, and they are currently. 5.25. Come on. 5.25 to finish in the top eight. It should be $40. <laughs> Paul, Paul, you, this is... Yeah, you, you're victimising. That is, that is terrible. Okay, all right. Well, at least you're honest and he didn't come in here and fib. What about this bloke? Uh, oh, it could be a lady. Of course, they didn't leave a name. My weekend on the punt, 9 out of 10. Special shout-out to Shelby66. He was the final leg in my Can I Get an Amen, Slipper Island, Cinerama Multi. Happy punter there, Paul, which is what we like. Oh, good. Be- because yeah. there's plenty to carry on with this week. Uh, any promotions we should have our eyes peeled on? Uh, well, we've got the uh, Cricket World Cup bonus back promotion, and of course the West Indies take on the Pakistan women today. The West Indies are currently a dollar ten, Pakistan women six dollars and twenty cents, and we've got a same game claim 
promotion on two basketball games today. Denver hosting Boston and Golden State uh, taking on San Antonio. Uh, so there we are. And I, I don't know where the Warriors are going to turn it, but I'll tell you what, this is a pivotal match this Friday night. How, you, how, do, you pick that? how do you pick that one? Don't, don't do it. Don't well, pick it. Don't pick it. We're we're asking the customers to pick it because they're a dollar eighty seven the fair. We've we've got no idea, but I tell you what, surely the coach of the losing team from that match uh, goes hot favourite to be first out the door. Crikey, mad Hey, go straight to the second hand shop, boys, and wine shirt. Stop using our ammo for the rest of the week, Paul. We'll catch up with you tomorrow. Tv.co. Hundreds of sports markets to choose from. Scotty was pipped on the line. Gutting, says Richie in IndyCar. Richie, thank you for your update, man. Scott McGoggin, what a talent he is. You've got three minutes to vote in the Choices Fouring poll. Which loss is going to sting the most? The White Ferns, the Warriors, Dan Hooker, Moana Pacifica. The results up after this. Here's the news with Aroha for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building Aotearoa. SCNZ, Basil for breakfast. Is he back on deck tomorrow? 26 away from 9. New Zest Health check coming up shortly. Pacing for purpose. Hey, the boys are flying. Self assured. We had Pelt was our pacing for purpose. We're donating to our Child Cancer Foundation with our winnings. Self assured got up. That's two weeks in a row. And um, I, I couldn't be more stoked. We're actually on a little bit of a roll here, Kempi, which is good. And I think you've got one for us to follow next start. Not, not, I'm not saying, mate. You're just trying to get that 100 bucks out of me. Well, not, we don't know where it's going. No, not going to say. I'm going to keep the odds down. Paulie Moati's still on the, still on the blah. Tony. That's very formal. Did Alan get Cinerama's booking <laughs> to pour up Perincanto I confirmed? Know. I don't know, mate. I was too busy feeding his cats. Jeez. Who, who else? <laughs> else? Mate, I, I went around to stay with him. He he pissed off down the down the line, so I never got to actually see him because he's taking my horse to the races. I couldn't go down to it, and um, ended up getting a phone call saying, "Have you fed the cats?" <laughs> so, yeah, well, you can tell. You can tell. You can tell. Just say I want to th- thank Emma too for um, the lovely you know towels on the bed and the bed being made and the sheets are clean. It's not not used to that. Um, when you go around ours, it's normally a jump in a, in a pile of hay where all the other boys have been sleeping in for the last four years. And well, at least that's your training fees sorted for the next of the month. Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hard case, hard case. Yeah, oh, look, Al, don't worry about Alan Shark. He'll be, he'll be scheming about where he thinks that um, that broodmare will go, and I have no doubt he will choose a very good stallion. Yep, no reason to think why not. Uh, time to get to our choices flooring poll results for today. I love doing the choices for a poll because I love getting inside your head. What are you thinking? You're always very good on double eight, double three, or 0800 The Choices Flooring Room View program takes the guesswork out of choosing flooring. Upload your favourite floor today. And I'll be honest, this was my clear top pick in which loss stung the most between the Warriors, White Ferns, Dan Hooker, Moana Pacifica. The White Ferns. And they've run away with it with about over 60% of the vote. Because they are likeable, because they seem upfront and genuine, and as Debbie made it out, made the point, their first name basis: Sophie Devine, Sophie, Susie, Mealy, you know, uh, Katie, Amy, Leah, 
You know, we, we're this, we are we are so all in on this team. And to, to watch them falter again in the big moments, and we asked Debbie why, she says maybe a lack of exposure. That sucked. So that was what came in first in the the weekend choices for him. Paul Whiteferns loss will sting the most, followed by the Warriors, Dan Hooker and Moana Pacifica. Uh, Pacifica, tough, tough one for the Whiteferns. Not surprising though, Kempi. No, and you're dead right, you know, like the first name turns because everyone's behind them in the country and, and wanted them to kick on it. And you could you could actually look on the other side of the coin, if they were travelling really well, then how 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 much better would that have been? You know, those girls would have had ticket parades and, and all sorts. So I uh, feel really feeling for the White Ferns this morning. Um, like I said, Southwaite with her, with her comments was, was very, very good. There's there a bunch of girls hurting. Um I, I, I thought Dan Hooker was a, a real close second. Um, the way he got dismantled in that in that octagon was um, was pretty scary. You know, he's very confident going into it. But you know, it's, it's I'll take my hat off to him sta- stepping into that ring and and copping um, what was a, a few good shots and not coming back for it. So, and the Warriors, mate, for me, mate, it's a, we're on that roller coaster again. We've been through the limerinth period, and now we're back into the honeymoon, and the honeymoon's just about over. And it's round two. Shortly, just, shortly, we've we've been living in the house for too long, and someone's going to get kicked out. Can we have a break? West Indies sixty-five for three. They're about trying to bat the day out. It is tea on the last day against England. England need what eight, seven wickets, seven wickets to finish that test off. Punters uh, want a bit more love on the Warriors to make the eight as well. Paulie Mighty, I'll just leave that one there. Twenty-one minutes away from nine. After this. Well, I had a taste of this, not just salt water, but how sore your arms get when you try to smash 10 lengths in a 60, 70 metre pool. This lady could do that before we've even, before Joe's delivered you your McCafe coffee in the morning. Claudia Kelly, she is a beast, a lifesaver, and she is going to catch up with us for our news this Monday morning health check up after this. Baz and Z for breakfast. As ever, now start from just nineteen ninety nine at Chemist Warehouse. You're listening to Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SENZ. SENZ, uh, Baz and Dizzy for breakfast. Great to have you company this morning. Gee, some of you are quick witted as well. Just leave your name and where you're from on the text machine, Kempi. How's this one? Yeah, some <laughs> for the Warriors to be on a roller coaster, don't they need to have some ups and? And as well as some downs, it's like, yep, they just hit the launch pad at the moment. <laughs> well, there will be some ups. Because there otherwise, be ups. you're just on a slide. Yeah, mate, that's like cool. that's like jumping out of a plane. That's like, like free diving. Driving down Parnell Rise <laughs> and your car breaking down. Yeah. Okay. All very right. good, very good. No, no name on that text. So put your name on your text when you send them in so that we know who you, who you are. Brilliant. It's time for a Monday morning health check with... Newsist, who are empowering the next generation of New Zealand athletes. The, uh, that green good stuff is vital, I tell you that. It is delicious, chuckling your smoothies. And we all know Kempi loves the surf down the knacky, and who wouldn't? Yeah, Paige Harab um, <laughs> and the crew. So, who better to keep an eye out for him in the ocean than the captain of the New Zealand Junior Blackfins and current Junior World Iron Woman champion for surf lifesaving? It's Claudia Kelly. She's an ambassador for New Zest, and she's with us on the line. Morning, Claudia. How are you doing? Morning. I'm good, thank you. Excellent. Thanks for joining the show this morning. It's a deluge. I don't know where you're based, but it's a deluge up in Auckland, so not exactly the best surf lifesaving weather, but you've been out over the summer enjoying your craft? Yeah, it's been amazing. We've actually had probably one of my best summers ever in the NACI. Um, nice waves, nice weather, and it's been yeah, really, really hot, which has been absolutely, absolutely amazing. 
Yeah, those those easterlies, um, Claudia down there, have obviously kept the kept the the big swells away. But you know, you must be enjoying getting out there and training um, as much as you can at the moment with El Nina. Yeah, it's actually been so nice. Um, I'm currently down in the Nina, so it's um, a little bit of a change, but um, it's definitely been one of the best summers I've had in a while. Are you down there at uni, are you, at Dunedin? I'm doing um, a biomedicine degree. Oh, awesome, awesome. Yeah, and what, what year are you in? I'm in second year. So how do you juggle that with your competing and, and uh, all of your surf life-saving um, ambitions there, Claudia? Are you, are you getting around the country or have you done much travel and, and much competing over the last, say, 18 months? Well, it's been a bit rough with COVID, to be honest. Um, we have had most of our competitions cancelled this year, but I've had uh, lots of trials for the Zealand team because we've got um, World Championships in Italy coming up. Um, so I'm just waiting on selections for those. We've got one more workshop to do, and then we find out about that. But uni-wise, it's, it's all right. It's pretty rough um, trying to balance the both of them. I was doing first-year health science last year, which is a notoriously hard course, obviously, um, so that was that was a bit of a challenge, but I keep it up by just um, doing lots of swimming and a bit of um, like ski paddling and kayaking over winter. How does a um, New Zealand junior blackfins and current junior world iron woman champion celebrate St Patrick's Day? <laughs> um, very very quietly, I must say. Um, I had two swim sessions and um, four lectures to do, so it was a bit of an early night. Knew it. <laughs> so you were in part. You were in part of the couch <laughs> the couch burning exercise on Castle Street there on St Paddy's Day. Um, I try to try to keep the couch burning to a minimum. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> that's smart. Very very smart. You've got too much on your plate. It sounds like you're very very busy. Now, is it true that you you've got some family ties to elite sport? You you guys are a very fit bunch. The Kellys are here. Yes, um, my so both my sister and my brother were in the New Zealand secondary schools cross country team. So my brother competed at the world champs in Malta. Um, and my sister has competed, um, I think, about four times for New Zealand um, and Australia and then over at World Champs in Budapest. I got down to the Parnell Baths yesterday, Claudia, and uh, tried to do some laps for the first time in a long time. It's salt water down there. Any tips for when you're swimming and you're kind of... Goggles. Uh, and, and you're sw- swallowing a bit of that salt water to, A, not swallow it, and then how to not get distracted by the taste of it? Um, I usually keep, keep my mouth closed when I'm swimming, to be honest. <laughs> keep your mouth um, but you've got to breathe, though, when you turn your head. Is <laughs> <So>, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, true. Um, I do. I'm not sure. Maybe breathe, breathe out when you turn your head. Although I guess you're breathing in when you do that. Um, I don't know. Sorry, can't help you there. Hey, Claudia, you're out of the East End Club. I'm guessing. Are you up there or? Are you from? Yes, sure I am. Yeah, you're East Sydney, Fitzroy. What um, what's it like? I've always wondered, you know, because you come, you know, we come from that beautiful spot in Taranaki, and and it's you know brutal at the best best of times and and massive surf. What's it like when you're going to compete against um, someone like Red Beach that lives on the east coast? Uh, you know, and you guys have and or, or what's it like when they come to the west coast and you're you're you know, it's a big surf day and you look at them and go. Yeah, yeah, we're going to really sort the men out from the boys today, type thing. Do you have that type of attitude? Um, not too, not too much to be honest, because we do do a lot of flat water training, especially during the winter, because you know you don't really want to get out. Um, and thing. Um, 
So we do a lot of late training, but also when you're out in the surf all the time, that gets, that gets you so fit um, when you're constantly having to, like maybe you've been hit by a wave and you're constantly having to try and get yeah, trying to get back up to speed. Um, that actually, it, it burns you. It's really good. So we find we do quite well um, when we go to the flat stuff. I actually had a, had a trial at Red Beach um, about a month ago. And um, yeah, it was, it was all good. I think, I think it is a bit of a struggle for um, flat beaches when they come over to um, our big waves, though. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And Kempi, I'm sure Claudia gives the men and the boys a good run for their oh, money. Absolutely. Uh, hey, talk to, us about, <laughs> talk to us about Newsest and how they've supported you through your young career. Newsest has been absolutely amazing, to be honest. Um, it's always hard as an athlete to find a brand, especially a protein brand, that you can trust. Um, I do get I get drug tested, um, and obviously want to be want to be a clean athlete. And this is amazing because I mean they're one hundred percent natural, and um, especially the the good greens. I find that awesome keeps um, keeps the immune system boosted. Um, I mean I'm a student, so flat cooking <laughs> is great to be supplemented. Um, buy some extra protein here and there and um you know some extra extra goodness through the good greens as well outstanding it is a, a super product and do you know what that's what we hear from everybody that it's just so nice to be able to trust them as well a new approach to feeling great it's not just a boost for today but nutrition for life claudia it's been a privilege to chat to you this morning good luck with your studies and in the surf as always and stay stay clear of those torched couches eh Thank you guys so much for having me. Good luck, Claudia. No worries. Claudia, sounds like a ripper. Sounds like she's got it all sorted. Yeah, man. She's obviously down there doing well, and uh, I'm really impressed that her whole family can run. (laughs) Not just swim, mate, but imagine that. Let's go go and have a triathlon. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. 30Ks later. Good stock. The Kellys, obviously, uh, great to catch up with Claudia Kelly for Newsest. All right, the Doyen is in the building. Ian Smith. What a privilege and honour this is going to be. What a legend. The big man coming up after this to sleep on it with temper. It's Baz and for breakfast as we come to the end of our show, but the ticks on double eight double three. Oh, the warriors, the passion. All right, PD and Dave from Manawatu, we're going to get to your ticks tomorrow, all right? Don't, don't think we've forgotten about you. They're staying in the queue. We're going to get them out of the rack tomorrow, and we're going to get stuck into the Warriors again for another day. Appreciate all your correspondence. Smithy, up after this. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.